This episode of How to Wrestling was brought to you by our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash How to Wrestling, where, hey, there's a little bit of content that's just been released there that goes along with this. It's the second installment of our new series, YouTube Wrestler Review, where we look at the YouTube channels of professional wrestlers. And let's just say Bobby Lashley's YouTube channel is not what you're anticipating it to be in the slightest. As well as that, over on the Patreon page, we've got another new series, Totally Divas. Now, more than ever, we need to go back 10 years into the past and review every single episode of the WWE reality show focusing on the adventures of Brie and Nikki, formerly Bella, now Garcia, Brian Danielson, John Cena, Naomi, Cameron. It's a smorgasbord of a who's who of wrestling and going back and checking it all out with modern eyes has been a fabulous time. You know, Joe and I always enjoy our reality TV and this is absolutely no exception. As well as that, for a mere $5 a month on the Patreon page, you get access to a whole bunch of other side series as well as that every month you've got the pay-per-view reviews going all the way back to 2015 from wwe from nxt aew as well if you want to know our thoughts on all the modern comings and goings of the product the bloodline cody rhodes adventure the fallout from all out everything and in between it's all there it's been quite a journey these past few years following it through our next one's going to be wrestlemania that's a double header so make sure you join us over on the patreon page patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling so if any of that sounds of interest to you you enjoy the show and you want to hear more from us over at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling we've got pay-per-view classic the the big show show how to revisited we've got totally divas and now youtube wrestling review it's a good deal five dollars we'll see you over there but for now it's time to get ready for an almighty good time it's time for how to bobby lashley Friends, and welcome to the episode of How to Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And we're in for an almighty good time today as we're looking at the one and only Bobby Lashley. Hello, everyone, once again, it's me, your old pal, Captain Kevin, joined as I am always by my co host, Better Half, and colleague and wife, oh. Joe Graham. Hello. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm I do mention, and God, you you sound delighted yeah. <laughs> and softer than you. Yeah. Uh, I did mention, you know, contractually obligated that you're my wife because it feels like this episode, How to Bobby Lashley, feels like it'd be something to be written into a prenuptial agreement that we would oh. sign. That because you you were very not not insistent. But I felt there was a low-level energy that's been going on the last couple of years that you wanted a Bobby Lashley episode. I mean, yeah, but not like... You've not been, it's not like you've been like kind of banging on my door being no. like, Oi! Where's my Bobby Lashley? <laughs> Where's me Bobby Lashley? Yeah, but th- but... This has grown, it feels, over the last few years. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I think the more I've become kind of fond of Bobby Lashley and the more I've talked about my fondness, the more people have kind of said to me, Oh, you need to check out like you know his TNA career and stuff, and like his MMA and things like. Like he, I am only familiar with him in his time in WWE since I've been watching. So I feel like there's like this whole other side to him, this whole other world of Bobby Lashley, which I am not privy to. So I think that's the main reason I want to do an episode on him because like 
it seems weird with this being my job for me to just go back and be like, heh, <laughs> <laughs> So you have to wait for someone else to suggest it instead yeah, exactly. is what you say. It's very interesting with Bobby because for, for me as the uh, incredibly partial observer of your wrestling fandom over the past how many years. Yes. You know, I actually did go back and I checked out on our Patreon pay-per-view reviews when Ooh. you would have first come across Bobby Lashley. What did I think of him? Um, I think you were perhaps blinded by the circumstances in which you first saw him. Well, like the very first, because his his debut on pay-per-view was really impressive and he did that move to that guy. He did a big stalling suplex. That's he it, held yeah. a man up for a good 20-some seconds. It's amazing. But Surely that, I found that impressive, right? That's true. And I, I think the problem he had was that um, he was involved with a, a strange storyline involving his sisters and yeah. one of the most peculiar ways of Vincent Mann trying to humanize a wrestler and like, kind of introduce you to them. And that's what kind of was interesting about this is that like WWE were trying to introduce you to this character. Yeah. And from what I could tell back then, I felt that they'd failed greatly in that regard. Mm. But then it felt like naturally, just by you watching the shows over the years and kind of being aware of who he was, this kind of seed of fandom began to grow a little bit. Yeah. Because Bobby did come up on a previous episode, an early episode, actually. Oh, really? Yes, the uh, absolutely everyone's favourite episode, the Donald Trump episode. Oh, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I think that he maybe had some stuff working against him in the first instance. I mean, maybe. honestly, the Donald Trump stuff didn't have any bearing on my opinion on Bobby Lashley because he was just doing a job I don't think him doing that role was him endorsing, endorsing. Trump I have a funny feeling in 16 years yeah, time he's going to run for president yeah. he's going to do a great job <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think that at all You know, he was just doing his job and also he wasn't really like he was basically a, a weapon in that feud. Like he wasn't, he didn't really get himself over anything as a person. A weapon. That's a great way to, to refer to, to young Bobby Lashley because if we take a look at this fellow, I mean, mm. don't let the charming, smiley, sparkly artwork <laughs> deceive your eyes. Do you like the artwork? I mean, I, I love it. Me and Dan, because I, I get a lot of creative control over the artwork because it's, it's I, I get to tell Dan what to illustrate. Yeah, Joe Graham is the Kevin Nash of the How to Wrestling artwork <laughs> world. Uh, yeah. More Dan, on that in the Kevin Nash episodes. <laughs> Dan never knows anything really about the wrestling. Dan doesn't watch wrestling. So, um, yeah, other than seeing pictures of them. So I, I get a lot, of, a lot of creative control. And I was like, well, Dan, if you search for pictures of Bobby Lashley, you'll see a lot of like him looking really scary, him flexing his muscles, him like growling and snarling. I don't want any of that. I want. I sent <laughs> sent down a picture of Bobby Lashley wearing a little helmet with like, Bobby Lashley's name on it, oh. and he's like pretending to drive a steamboat, and he looks so happy. So yeah, actually, fun fact: originally the artwork was going to have Bobby Lashley wearing his little Bobby Lashley helmet. Ah, uh, his helmet, <laughs> the, the one, helmet that says Lashley on the it. The one that says Bobby Lashley the Almighty on it, where he's driving a steamboat. <laughs> I was very insistent to Dan that we have that picture as our artwork and there was an, an era of it as well where he was going to have the flat cap on as oh, well oh yeah we went was through a phase where there was maybe a flat cap yeah and then Dan was like maybe not so if you want to know what the type of joy that Bobby Lashley inspires in my wife it's the type of joy where she wants to put lots of different hats on him essentially yeah. I mean, it's, it's, what else are you supposed to do with a cute little guy put hats on him I, I'm, I'm kind of interested by this as well because you know Going back over these episodes, and people always like to pick up in this, you 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 will use the label of hunk, male, female, <laughs> whoever it is. Like it's if it's someone who catches your eye and you think that they have like a uh, I don't know certain 
energy about them. It's not necessarily like an attractive quality. It could just be like very presentable or whatever it is. Yeah. But generally speaking, you've not necessarily been the biggest fan of the big guys, like the big jacked up muscle dudes. And mm. I, I do bear in mind, we've done obviously a lot of episodes about a lot of very muscly fellows. Bobby Lashley is one of the most freakishly large human beings yeah. like I've ever seen in my life. And he's got such a unique body shape as well. Like it's not just like, I feel a lot of big guys, they all kind of have a, like a bodybuilder quality to them, which like Bobby doesn't have, even though he would make an amazing bodybuilder. And he like, does build his body. He does build his body. <laughs> he doesn't, mm, he, I've, I think he he works on his body differently to bodybuilders. Like he's a lot more bubbly shaped. Like he's like you got like balls inside him made of muscle. Yes. Rather than bodybuilders, <laughs> where it feels like I don't know, like they're just fucking pumped full of test like testosterone and steroids and stuff, and it's just like they're inflated. Are you trying to compare and contrast the genetic freak Scott Steiner with the boss Bobby Lashley? Is that what you're telling me? I don't really know how to put words to it. It's like there's a vascularity with bodybuilding that I find frightening. There's like a kind of like a uncanny valley, like a ooh. yeah. <laughs> Bobby Lashley though is so muscular, he oh, it looks like a, it looks like a toy. Yeah, and I don't. I find him really. I find it. He's otherworldly a little bit. Yeah, is that is otherworldly? You know, I, I don't, larger than life is thrown around so often in wrestling, but you know, <laughs> I think like, a lot of muscle men I find very intimidating physically, and I don't get that with Bobby Lashley. I think he's absolutely adorable. In my mind, he's an Animal Crossing neighbor. <laughs> you know, his little, but like he's one of the jocks that goes around. It's like talking about working out all the time, but also like positive mindset. Yeah, exactly. And that's Bobby Lashley, and he'd be a buff frog. So the interesting thing about Bobby Lashley is that the thing that you seem to have grabbed onto quite early on, and we were like talking about this, yeah, you know about you know, how we, you know, I went back and I listened to your early opinions of Bobby, and it wasn't if you were blown away by him. And then we were chatting, kind of like, well, when was it that like he kind of started to click for you. Yeah. And then you had this like eureka moment earlier today where you were like, it was maybe sometime during the pandemic or, or around then when WWE on the pay-per-views and on the network over here in the UK, we're not getting the ads that you get in America on Peacock. So they'll insert these like, here's just two minutes about a character. It's like, it's Bianca Belair or you know, Becky Lynch or Seth Rollins or Brock Lesnar. And the one about Bobby Lashley yeah. really resonated with yeah, you. Yeah, I loved it. And it's funny because this guy who throughout his career in one way, shape or form or another was being presented as a scary dude, you know, the dominator, the almighty, you know, whatever you want to call him. And yet it was little pictures of young Bobby as a boy or, you know, polite Bobby in his army uniform. And I don't think I've seen you go like, ah! And sometimes like not like a cat or a dog or something like you know like here's this guy where they're like he'll break you with his hurt lock and Joe's like oh my god he's so cute though he's so cute is it is it the soft spoken nature of Bobby because he is someone who's he is, yeah. he's not got like the big voice he's kind of a there's a gentle quality there is to a gentle speaks. quality but not like you know I feel like it's important to differentiate like him and someone like Keith Lee who also has a very gentle soft spoken voice but Keith Lee is he's quite verbose he yes. uses long words he's very he's a narrator he's a, yeah exactly Bobby Lashley is fine at talking but he's not a promo guy yeah there's something very real about the way Bobby Lashley talks like I just I can imagine meeting him and just like talking to him and yeah. like, I know that makes it sound like I can't imagine talking to Keith Lee, but like, there's just something very normal about Bobby Lashley, which d- juxtaposes with his 
absolute massive body. <laughs> and what you have here then with this guy is someone who got interesting at a very young age. We'll go through his uh, his career and the and the, the various stages of it because it's a very interesting, very kind of truncated career in many respects. But it's kind of like almost like the wrestling business coming to terms with this guy looking like he does, having the skills and abilities that he does, but maybe sounding and acting in a way that is maybe not what someone like a Vince McMahon or or whoever it may be would be like, well, obviously you're the big strong muscle dude. You're going to talk about breaking stuff in half and be like, ah! And he is kind of someone who, despite first appearances, looks like your prototypical, yeah, that's a wrestling guy, right? And he looks like... Oh, kind of boring if you think about him from that perspective I think it worked against your fandom yeah, of him in the first did. case because like, oh, it's a standard issue big muscle yeah, dude it's a muscle guy who can't talk okay big deal it's get, get in line man there's fucking loads of you but there's something about there's like a real sweetness to him and I think it's the same type of thing that like makes me really like Dave Batista. yeah he's just like a big cuddly bear he's just sweet and nice and Seems like a real dude. Real dude. Don't let the scary aesthetic put you off. But then also, he's not got, he's not got a scary face. He's got a really sweet face. He's got a lovely smile. He's got kind <laughs> eyes. And kind eyes. Yeah. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go back and talk a little bit about the uh, the life and times of young Bobby Lashley? Because he is someone who. I'm mean, always interested in finding out kind of like how these freak athletes, for lack of a better term, get started. And he's someone yeah. who like, you know, he was national champion in wrestling throughout college. Like he had, you know, pedigree from the get-go. He was someone who we got introduced to when he returned to WWE as being from, you know, single parent household. His mom didn't speak much English. So they kind of had to, you know, they lived in, in hard enough times growing up. And he had three older sisters, I believe it was, as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So he's the youngest of a family with, you know, four other ladies in there. And I think that goes a long way to explain the well-mannered, polite yeah. nature of him. <laughs> Ra- raised by good women was young Bobby Lashley, it feels <laughs> like. But yeah, his dad was in the army. And I think as a result of that, they moved around a lot when he was was quite young. Yeah, that's actually something I wanted to ask about because in several interviews, Bobby describes himself as being raised in a single-parent household. Yes. And I don't know if that means... Was his dad not around because of his work or was his dad not part of the family full stop? I mean, I was trying to find out more about that because, you know... What's always interesting with this is like, here's the story that's presented to you as like, it's Bobby Lashley, the wrestling character. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, well, you go back and you find him doing interviews. We've looked at a lot of interviews from, because you, you know, doing MMA and being in different wrestling companies, he's quite prolific in terms of being, being interviewed. But you would hear him talk about like his dad growing up as well. Right. So I think maybe it was a case that, you know, together at one point and then perhaps later on they right. were separate. Right. But there was a lot of moving around. And I know that that kind of military tradition from his dad being in the Air Force, that carried on. Because Bobby was kind of on the track to be in a military career early on. I know one of his sisters was as well, and I think still it is. still is, yeah, she's in the Air Force. In, in the Air Force as well. So naive me, I don't know if this is just because we've done a lot of episodes about wrestlers with kind of, you know, semi-tragic or full-on tragic upbringings and pasts and whatnot. And also because I think uh, Pumping Iron, the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah has an unnaturally large place in both my heart and my mind. But I see a giant bodybuilder dude, and I kind of always imagine that somehow that it's like this 
kind of reaction to like lifelong struggle or whatever it is mm. you know had a hard life so i hit the gym and got massive or whatever it is yeah bobby is someone who i know got into like wrestling pretty much immediately amateur wrestling when he was in high school and i know he excelled there etc but in terms of him being like a big dude and size and all that it's something of a bit of a mystery for me yeah. because i know like there's people in wrestling who are big hosses like Ron Simmons back in the day and it's like he'd come in and he'd just pick up one dumbbell and go that's me I'm going to read yeah. a USA Today in the pro shop and that's me and I'm going to be a massive dude we need a name for that type of strong because you've got farm strong we've yeah. got gym strong we need the third one which is like I don't know passive strong or something pro shop strong I'm not sure <laughs> like, you know. but is Bobby Lash I know you sometimes like to look into the, <laughs> the nutrition yes. and the, the gym and the diet yeah What's the deal with Bobby? Is he just someone who walked into a gym one day and like, boom, that was it. It clicked and he became massive. I'm speaking as someone who like grew a foot overnight from yeah. how I remembered at one point. Growth spurts do happen. They you know? do, absolutely. And if you look at pictures of Bobby Lashley as a child, he's, he's so small. Wee he's little so boy. tiny. He's the tiniest little cutesy i think that's originally where i got my frog mental image from is seeing there's a picture in particular where he's wearing <laughs> it's so cute he's wearing like a little he's trying to adopt bobby <laughs> ashley now he's a he's like 20 years older than yeah, you <laughs> he's a 50 year old man and I'm like, oh. but there's this picture of him and he's like seven maybe maybe seven and he's like, it's the 70s. Like, it's like 1976 or something. It's lapel season, folks. Yeah, and he's got the biggest collar on him. And he looks so well-dressed. And he's like this little disco boy. So <laughs> cute. And I just think that's where I get the mental image of him being a cute frog from. Because it's like he's just such an adorable little boy. Um, but yeah, he, he runs thin, actually. He's not naturally a big buff guy. Really? Yeah, he's not the type of guy where, you know, if, if he didn't diet and exercise and stuff, he, he apparently, according to him, would go back to being his natural skinny self. And you can actually, he, you can still kind of tell when you see pictures or videos of his legs without the... Knee pads. Call them? The, and... the thing below the knee pads. The, sh- the sh- uh, shin guards? Shin guards, yeah, yeah. But they kind of go all the way around his yeah, legs. Yeah. He's got really skinny calves. It's an upper body business, Joe, as Rick Rude has told us time and time Not again. Not anymore. <laughs> but yeah, he, he naturally runs really thin. I think That was... is wild to me. I, I can't believe that because... My mind always goes to like if you're a big dude in wrestling and you don't fucking talk about it twenty four seven. My mind is like, oh, you're just one of these freaks who naturally yeah. gets really big really quickly. Well, and but if you're someone who has to eat lots, you'll talk about it all the time, nonstop. It gets especially confusing though because if you read or listen to any interview with Bobby Lashley about his diet or his workout routine, he's like, yeah, I don't really work out much. I don't really, you know, I don't really diet. But I don't. Trust someone like him. Yeah, that's his the thing, opinion. Like, ah, it's not really that much. He's there benching, you know, two hundred yeah. pounds with lots of reps. That's the thing. I don't think you can take any professional athlete's word for what they consider to be not much exercise, because there's always going to be people they're comparing themselves out to, like Vince McMahon, who would probably spend five hours in the gym yeah. to look the way he does, whereas like someone like Bobby Lashley probably only needs to spend like one hour in the gym, which to me. That's still loads because on top of that one hour in the gym, he's doing 10 miles of cardio a day, you know, getting up at five in the morning. Yeah, doing, Jesus. You know, doing like yoga two times a week and all this other stuff. So, yeah, basically Bobby's strategy. I think it, I think it originally started when he was um, in like equivalent of primary school. Basically, one of his sisters was getting bullied 
and he had to like step up to the bullies and you know his much older sister and he like beat them up and stuff oh this is always a favorite of yours like Bret Hart as well brother, yeah, yeah the, the brother coming to the rescue and so the younger sweet. brother as younger well especially wow. sweet so I think there was like a combination of that and then him getting into like amateur wrestling from a young age that he like realized quite soon that having a weight advantage would really like really help in mm. fights in general. Right. Because I've heard as well, it's something that he had said in other interviews, which was if you are in the world of amateur wrestling and maybe the skill level of your cohorts isn't, you know, massive, let's just say yeah. you're all kind of with a similar pitch. The, the way to become dominant in amateur wrestling is put on weight. Yeah. If you're the heaviest guy in your division, you will have a huge advantage unless there's like kind of a big skill gap or whatever yeah. it is. But he doesn't, it's not like he's going around like, okay, so for instance, like if we compare him to Triple H as someone with an equivalent mass at the peak of his body. Okay, anyway, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Triple H, as we know from making the game that Adam did, like, he was eating, like, you know, five chicken breasts for a meal. Pound of oatmeal. Pound of oatmeal, like, 20 eggs. Like, Bobby Lashley doesn't eat like that. Really? Yeah, at least not intentionally. What he does, and I think this this is so cool, and it's the healthiest thing about him. So many times in wrestling, wrestlers have body dysmorphia or binge eating disorder where... They feel that they have to, they can't have a healthy relationship with food. They feel they have to like just consume for the sake of it being like fuel for their yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely an element of that which you have to think about, I think, as a professional athlete. Yeah, because so your I body is like a machine for a the, machine. The, what you're trying to achieve yeah, or whatever. And you yeah. have to give it appropriate fuel in order for it to do what you need it to. So Bobby Lashley, instead what he does is he focuses on the workouts. So he'll he'll do really short, for him, high-intensity workouts, which basically means repping to failure is what they call it. Which repping is when, to failure? Rep to failure. So that's like, say, when you do like a push-up, and instead of doing like, you know, five sets of five push-ups, you do push-ups until you can't do them anymore. Jesus Christ. And that, that's the method which a lot of big athletes will do. And it's basically, that's the way to get your muscle to grow as, yeah, as big as possible. Pushing past the you're pain. You're pushing past right. the pain threshold. Well, that's, that's, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, but, it's, but that's like, that's he, he enjoys doing that. I've heard him use the phrase that it's his therapy. Yes. Now, for me, someone who has actually been in therapy... <laughs> <laughs> And like, you know, I'm sure lots of folks over the pandemic and whatnot found themselves in similar situations. But um, like, has he has he has he went in further into detail on that or whatever it is? It's just yeah, no, it's it's like I think therapy is a a word he used to make it kind of understandable to the masses, right? Yeah. But I think it's it's for him. It's like it's good for his mental health, is what yeah, he was saying. Enough. Like yeah. therapy. Yeah. So I think for him, it just like it, <laughs> it reminds me of the thing me and Adam were saying to each other couple of months ago and it was like you know what i fucking hate it was like what you know all those people are always like oh if you start working out and you 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 exercise and all that and you feel good and they're, they're fucking right and i hate it like, <laughs> i hate that you feel good afterwards because i feel stupid yeah. for not doing it like so yeah i'm getting that feeling hard right now from bobby Lashley, yeah like. <laughs> no, that's that's literally it is that's like he he feels best when his body is being pushed to the limit uh, and mentally, that's the case for him as well. He's very much one of those like positive mindset, manifesting your own destiny type thing. Like a lot so, of yeah. big folks in wrestling tend to be that. Yeah. yeah. His workouts then allow for his diet to kind of come through after that. So a lot of wrestlers will like obsessively count calories, macros, make sure that they're you know consuming enough to you know use for fuel. Blah blah blah. He doesn't do any of that shit. He doesn't follow any diets. He doesn't restrict his intakes. He doesn't count calories or macros. He does none of that. He just 
He does what wanky people call intuitive eating and what normal people call eating. eating. <laughs> intuitive yeah. eating. Intuitive eating. No, I know. What a novel concept. I know. Which like... literally just means eat what your body tells you at once. Yeah, like don't be a sim where you've turned yeah. off you know, you know, self-control, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but because of him doing these intense workouts, he finds that his body craves like high protein so he will eat like you know a lot of high protein meats eggs things like that he finds his body craves vegetables and fruits and whole foods and grains and things like that he finds on the whole he doesn't crave junk food because it's not good for his body but that being said oh man that's he's got stronger intuition than me you know yeah. <laughs> but like, that's, but that's probably my it. intuition's been beige but i do think that's really interesting because i think i've experienced that before where when you are regularly exercising you do want to eat healthier yeah i've experienced that i find it way harder to i'm not gonna call it dieting because it's not i never diet but like it's way harder to eat healthy if you're not exercising that's true because your body isn't telling you oh, oh I, I need, need this this, yeah. this and this mm. whereas if you start by just getting a little bit of exercise in your body starts to be like oh god i'd really fancy like a banana right now or something healthier so he allows the workouts to go ahead the food will follow the thing about that which then got me thinking i was like oh no maybe it's unhealthy because he's taking it too far the other way and he never eats like fun food and maybe there's no joy in it that's not true either he loves junk food. He just doesn't go out of his way to find it or eat it. Does he have special junk days then? Is that it? No, that's again a thing which I think is very healthy about him. He doesn't, like Vince McMahon, he will barely eat during the week and then like once every two weeks he'll have like a binge day where he eats like 20,000 calories. Yeah, he's like the guy in uh, season three of Fargo who yeah. eats all that like, reams of food. And, <laughs> Bobby's not like that at all. He just eats whatever he wants and if that means he wants to eat a... Oh, have we got have we got a preferred horrible junk meal? His preferred snack... Well, it's not even a snack, it's a meal. His preferred junk food is something called the peanut butter and jealousy burger. Wow, that sounds like that sounds like a heel burger. I'm not gonna lie, I know, like, right? you know. <laughs> and I love hearing about wrestlers' like favorite cheat foods. That's why Joe is obsessed with Ryback's YouTube channel, yeah. which we reviewed over on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Americans' cheat foods are most fascinating because it's like always stuff that we we couldn't even think about. Like thinking about this food, and if you're English, like makes your brain explode. So his favorite treat food is the peanut butter and jealousy burger which is a bacon cheeseburger which contains peanut butter okay, okay. That, i will say though jesus i know <laughs> uh jam or jelly for the americans also another jesus yeah. there into that actually. and um, a scoop of vanilla ice cream how does that work i know it sounds horrible wait do you press that down is oh. that is it like a chaser on the side <laughs> that's gonna... inside touching the meat it's horrible like, I know that when I come off stage and, uh, from the London Podcast Festival oh I mean I would probably put my, 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 my then, yeah. yeah I have a, usually will have a bacon double cheeseburger and a milkshake yeah it's lovely but at least I put it in a cup and melted it down right you, you know dunk the burger yeah whoa now mm. you'd be reading too much about that Bobby Lashley <laughs> getting he those does, bad habits like he does also partake in the occasional um, double donut burger where it's like a cheeseburger with bacon and there's just two donuts in Whenever your body is... I would, I would eat that, definitely. I would only eat that if my body intuitively craved it. Yeah, that's... exactly. <laughs> Which I think, you know, that's great. I think I think he has the healthiest attitude towards his body and food out of any wrestler we've ever done an episode on. Like, just wow. I think that's amazing that he's able to 
not like he's able to take it seriously but not take it too seriously it doesn't control his life it's not it's a very healthy relationship he has but i think you'd have to to have like because we're talking about someone now where we're gonna probably be going over around 20 years of a wrestling career and like i know people like to be like oh you know x y and z looks the same but like i swear to god Mm. you know yeah, it looks like he's higher higher definition. It looks like, you know... Yeah, we're seeing him on Blu-ray now. Yeah, the, the differences I see in Bobby now between like him and Hawaii... I would have been watching him when he debuted in 2005. And like the differences just feels like, well, the cameras seem to be better now. Yeah. Like, so we can capture him better. Yeah. But the man is pretty much unchanged. I mean, I will say, I think in recent years... And I'm only I'm only clocking this now because I've, I've been looking at a lot of pictures of Bobby Lashley. Have you now? Yes. <laughs> And he has changed slightly in the face. He's gotten more lines and scars and things. I'd say that's the main difference. His body, though, is just... the Other than a couple of scars, it's exactly the same. And I think him being bald has really helped him. Bald people, I think, always age way slower than non-bald people. Mm. There's just something about being bald that like, makes you look young forever. That's true. Ask Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like, exactly. You know? <laughs> it's like the secret of youth. So I think like those two things have just made him look ageless, basically. It's interesting, you know, the the kind of the trajectory for him because you know, he grew up a wrestling fan. You know, he said he used to watch you know, wrestling on you know Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings as a kid and all that stuff. But I don't think it was like he was someone who like a lot of the wrestlers we've covered where it was like you know whatever it takes, I got to get to WWE. That's my goal. That really wasn't it. It was the kind of the the military path for him really, yeah. and wrestling has been something that you could do alongside that. Because do was... you mean sorry amateur wrestling? Amateur wrestling, right, yeah. Right. So you would have been a three-time All-American in college, basically. What being like, does that mean? I think this is one that maybe a lot of people and myself could probably benefit from just being like, hey, what does it mean? Because it's one of those things that Jim Ross will say all the time. Like, if a dude is coming out and he's remotely legitimate, you'd be like, oh, two-time All-American. It's like, oh, that's that's good, that is. But an All-American is an honorific title given to outstanding US athletes in a specific sport in a given year competing at a collegiate or secondary school level. Okay. So if you're like a standout you know, wrestler, you could be an All-American wrestler or an All-American football player. It's not like you've won the All-American trophy. It's just like, you know, from the select crop of excellent people, of which there are national champions, Right. you get selected and honoured in that way. He was also like a national wrestling champion at college and at school as well, yeah. multiple times over. But it was basically into the military for him and he got a scholarship and I... I I always love finding out what the degrees are of wrestlers who are clearly using a degree to get into like, you know, athletics, MMA, whatever it is down the line. I'm glad you picked up on this because I'm so interested by this. Did you did you figure did you get what his actual degree was in? Yes. Human service agency management and recreation administration what the fuck does that mean i've been a fucking breeze <laughs> sounds sounds fun it sounds like <laughs> yeah it sounds like there's a lot of times like i knew a lot of um like kind of jock kids in school who wanted to go to university because you know it's just like a good thing to do to like yeah it's if part you have, of the social kind of evolution of you or whatever and not just that but like i do think I think young people today are kind of more clued in about this than maybe they were like before our time. But like, um, if you're going to become an athlete, you should also have like a kind of paper degree or yeah. paper qualification that's like, you know, in case you get injured, so you can do like office work, or whatever. And this isn't like you know, Mick Foley as well, who you know he got his degree in you know television or whatever yeah. because it's like, well, He's you know, in that. it'll be useful outside of wrestling mm. and maybe in wrestling as well. But there are a lot of kids I was friends with who were like, oh, I don't really care what degree I get, so I'm just going to get something that sounds really impressive, but no one really knows what it is. Yeah. It's kind of easy to do. Most this of all, sounds... the tutors. Like, yeah, 
yeah. you know. <laughs> I can't speak. I don't know what this is, but it sounds like one of those degrees. <laughs> All I'll say is I knew I had a lot of buddies in university who were kind of like you know on the fence the entire time they were there about whether or not they will drop out. And I will say as well, when I was in university in Ireland, you know. It was free, you know, there were no fees. Yeah. There were admin fees or whatever that could be, you know, a thousand or two, a couple of thousand quid, but it was nothing to the extent of what you have in America or here in the UK. Yeah. So you add, by that nature, people being a little bit more flippant. Right. Because they've not just dropped like 9,000 pounds of student yeah. loan debt for one year of this thing. And most of the people I knew who were very ambivalent or on the fence about continuing were in things like human service agency management and or recreation administration <laughs> i don't know if this has served bobby well in his career but this uh, success that he has in amateur wrestling at university serves him really well because he enlists in the army mm. but i didn't i didn't even know this was a thing i thought right he's in the army he's gonna be like you know, running drills it's like kind of the early 2000s so maybe we're fighting the war on terror for george bush or whatever it is but he's immediately put into the world-class athlete program oh. and the world-class athlete program is a special program within the u.s army uh-huh. that finds standout athletes in yeah. the army cherry picks them takes them off of active duty and then like train for the olympics what what yeah wait hang on the army wants them to train for the olympics the, olympics. the idea being that you have this kind of kind of synergy and crossover between the athletics of the u.s olympics team and the army and there would be kind of this kind of you know flow of talent what? so bobby was you know he won this uh you won like a gold and a silver medal in these like army kind of or cross-military uh, games essentially wow. and this gets him into this program where it's like you know he was saying he was in this olympic training facility and that's why he moved to, to colorado springs which is where he's built from and so the high altitude up in the mountains yeah. so they have all these big fucking uh, army beasts training for the olympics and at a high yeah. altitude it means when they come down you know to to do the actual they've event got bigger lung capacity they've got extra oxygen in their thick blood yeah. so he is very quickly established as being not just you know a, a top army brass but he's like you're going to the olympics wow. that's your destiny i had no idea that was a thing yeah i i, I would have thought like you were fighting like two wars at the time yeah. <laughs> if i had a bobby lashley in my army i would be sending him off to the olympics i'd be putting him like right let's I mean, drop I him i'd be sending him to the olympics protect <laughs> that man at all costs i've played enough top-down shooters on the snes to know that you send the biggest most muscly man behind enemy lines with a minigun <laughs> and hope for the best. I mean, I'd do that, but only without a gun. And I'd just like get him to go and make friends with everyone. <laughs> Shake nice. hands like, you know, <sighs> peace in Afghanistan, thanks yeah. to Bobby Lashley. To the extent of this hot fast track that he's on, yeah. there's actually picture and uh, some footage of him from like, is it 2002 or 2003? when Kurt Angle was like, visiting the Olympic Training Center and he's literally like shaking hands with Bobby being like, wow. there's the man there, you know, on his route to the Olympics. Wow. You know, being pegged for maybe he'd win a gold medal at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Kurt's down there kind of kicking the tires being like, oh, you're my replacement, oh. uh, you know. But Kurt told him, you know, hey, this doesn't work out. You should think about, you know, WWE. You should think about wrestling and all that. But, you know, very focused career. He was very much like Olympics is the goal. Because yeah. everything that he was doing was building up towards this moment. Yeah. You know, all the, the kind of accolades he had got. It was like, right, you're going to be on the star of the Olympic wrestling team. And this all comes to a head when one day he's, you know, off base. He's got a bit of money in his pocket. He's going to go to a bank and cash a check. 
and all of a sudden he hears doors being kicked in behind him and it's you know one of those old-timey american banks where there's just one big long line and all the tellers at the front and he describes it as just seeing all the bank tellers immediately like screaming and stuff like that mm. and all of a sudden there's gunshots oh my god and it's an armed bank robbery <gasps> and the crazy thing about this is that before he went into the bank he saw three dudes with like bandanas around their necks <gasps> and he was like hey look a couple of cool dudes wearing bandanas said hello to them <laughs> And because he was like, it's my thing. I like to say hello to everyone that I see. It's polite. It's nice. And then like, literally he's like, hey guys, how's it going? And they're like, hey man. And like it's Red Dead. They just press the button, pull up the fucking bandanas and they're doing a bank robbery. Oh my God. And this is, you know, one of these situations where you can hear like, all right, Bobby Lashley, the bank robbery. What did he like take the guns off of him and like break him in two and give him the dominator and a spear? It's like, come on, it's real life. Like it's a yeah. bank robbery. It's terrifying. That would be a stupid thing to do in a real life bank robbery. I mean, he said that there was a, a lady in front of him who she had her hands up and her hand just kind of started shaking and going down. And one of the bank robbers were like, oh, this lady's obviously trying to pull a gun on me. They started shooting in their direction. So that's when everyone hits the ground. Yeah. And Bobby dies straight down into the ground. Oh. And, you know, it's a it's a bank that has very thin... <laughs> I feel like Taz. Uh, you know, it looks like you got carpet there. You know, it's, a, it's actually very thin layer. And it's actually concrete, concrete underneath. Yeah. But the man dove straight down, you know, fearing for your life diving straight down. I can only imagine that's yeah. that's hitting the deck and then so. He did an interview where he described it as like he hit the ground so much it felt like he was trying to push himself through the floor that's the to other get thing, like, out of the room. I think when you're that strong. And also, he would have been so young here. Like, how young would he have been? Early 20s. Right, so his that. body's still probably growing. And one thing I always have to keep in mind is like, when I was a teenager, I didn't really know how strong I was. Like you don't know your own body's capabilities when you're young. Well, are um, you one of these teens who thought they were way stronger than they were or way weaker than they were? Neither. I, I was an I, underestimator myself. I think it's just when you are young and you're still growing, you just don't know. You know, some days your body is weaker than you think and some days it's stronger and some days it's it's just longer than you think. Like, yeah, yeah. You've got an extra inch suddenly. And I think when you're already strong and then you're also growing... I just think like you could go extra hard on that. That's it, and You're just when, like, it's the fight or flight. Yeah, you don't have control over how severe you're going to hit no, the you're deck. Just like, I, I need to save my life right now. <laughs> Long story short, the sack of fluids that is behind your kneecap to no, protect your joint. Think about my sack. <laughs> <laughs> my joint sack so when he hit the deck uh he ended up rupturing that no. and completely like you know fluid built up in front of him behind his kneecap like his, oh. his knee blew up to astronomical size oh, and you know being you know you know somebody who's in the army and training hard and you know working in in amateur wrestling he figured ah you know i'll ice it it'll be fine oh, and it's like a day or two later the legs getting bigger and bigger so he's like all right i'm gonna have to go get this figured out and it's pretty major surgery to the extent which it's not even much of a discussion it's just like well that's it you're done no no amateur wrestling career no olympics you know not to say there's not a career for you in the army but your army career is literally a backdrop for yeah. us to lift you up and be it's more like a yeah you know when you've been ring fenced and like this is the thing you are for and the thing you are really like chosen for and really best at you're being told you could potentially be one of the best athletes ever in the whole world and now it's like well you can't do that anymore i mean no i'm not i'm not i don't want to say it's it's remotely comparable but just from from the empathy side point you know i'm someone who 
was on a career path that got like kind of more narrow and more narrow the further down I went. Yeah. And then I reached a point where that career wasn't for me anymore. And you take, and that happened in my mid twenties. And you take those kind of moments where it's like, you realize that much more of your life than you would be willing to admit to yourself is you've in your, in your head, you've been gearing up towards this. Yeah. This is kind of what you're for. And you feel purposeless a little bit after well, that. That's what we tell young people as a society. Yeah. We're always asking them like, what's your hopes for the future? You better have plans, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, no wonder then if those plans go wrong, you kind of feel you haven't got a purpose anymore. Yeah. So he's pretty much, he thinks in dire straits here. His entire career is up in smoke. And he's got his, Human Service Agency Management and Recreation Administration degree. Yeah, he can bounce back to that. Or he could take a phone call from WB literally like two days after surgery and they're like, it's Gerald Briscoe, one of Vince McMahon's right-hand men. And he's like, hey, you know, heard about you, you know, tearing up the, the amateur wrestling world. We're on the lookout for, you know, big athletes because they had just had Brock Lesnar leave, essentially. Oh. So they're kind of, maybe there's a spot on the roster for, you know, someone else of that kind of legitimate background. And Gerald Briscoe, his kind of job was like, he'd scout the, the legit, in inverted commas, athletes and see if they'd be a fit for WWE. And Bobby's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. He, of course, you didn't have the heart to tell them, like, you know, I'm, I'm on crutches right now. That's the thing I don't understand. So how come he can't do, I know, I understand, like wrestling is a work and yeah. it's different from amateur wrestling or being in the army but it is still a very physical job and you still mm. do you still are an athlete and you yes. still have to do a lot of stuff that's like you need to be healthy and physically well for how come he couldn't do the olympics and amateur wrestling and the army with his knee but he can be a professional wrestler so with regards to the olympics it's all about timing you know, right. because it's like the Olympics, it comes around once every four years. So you oh. have to be in camp training, you know, X amount of and months and years. certain amount of time. Yeah. Right, so okay. it's like, you're injured, you're going to be off your feet for like, whatever, six or seven months. Yeah. It's like, you're too behind, you won't be at the, the degree to which we'll need you to be at. See. There's also the viewpoint as well, which is in professional wrestling, <laughs> I think it's no surprise to find out that most, if not all of the wrestlers have got some sort of a nagging injury or previous surgery or whatever it is yeah. you're working cooperatively there's ways around that you know rick flair from the episode you know the man had a broken back yeah he led to one side you know if he was in an amateur wrestling fight no Couldn't one's gonna be that, like yeah. well we'll go to one side because your your back sucks you just won't be able to do it just like busted kneecap that just sounds like one of those things it's like well you're gonna be you know an office worker for life like well it it it's something that obviously he comes back around to because I think it's like the case that you can rehab and get into this thing in wrestling where you have control over, you know, the impact and control at least over the damage that you might be doing. Yeah. As opposed to like, you know that you won't be able to reach the level that they want you for at that Olympic training center. Right. So that, but that's it. It's kind of like when you're an amateur wrestler, a lot of stock is put on the age and the time. And it's like, you're in your mid-twenties now, the Olympics, you're going to miss them. In four years' time, you'll be nearly 30, so right. you're, you're kind of useless, you know? And that's kind of like the harsh reality of it. It's like, it's it's one of those cases where it's like, there's a there's a clock over you, basically. And yeah. bo both of those clocks, in this instance, ran out for Bobby. And I'm guessing in the case of, because of this army program, I'm guessing they worked with, like, because you said collegiates? Yes. So young people, There'd be other people, like, chomping at the bit to yeah. take his place, whatever right. it is. But I think... In my mind, if this didn't happen, I think this would have been like, Bobby would have went off, he would have done the Olympics, 
He may have gotten a medal. He may not have gotten a medal. I kind of feel like all roads eventually would have led to WWE. The only difference is he would have had an Olympic gold medalist gimmick or whatever it was. <laughs> you know. And that being said, in wrestling, post Kurt Angle... Yeah, you don't want that. You probably don't want to be no. the Olympian, you no. know? Because it brings unfavorable comparisons yeah, i think absolutely. you know so lashley signs with the wwe despite the fact that he's injured heals up a little bit he's sent down for a little bit of training a little bit of seasoning because this guy is like you know he's got amateur skills and not a whole lot else yeah. and we saw his first ever appearance in the in the preeminent 2004 developmental system ohio valley wrestling where he wasn't bobby lashley joe do you remember what his name was no, I thought it was Bobby Lashley. No, he was Blaster Lashley. Oh, he's Blaster Lashley. Such a terrible name. Now, obviously, it's difficult to talk about how different the man looks when he is something of a timeless figure. But give us a, a rundown of the original look and gimmick of Blaster Lashley in OVW. Oh, he looks like he does now, but <laughs> slightly smaller, I guess. Like, just, but not really. I don't think so. Like, just a different shape, I guess. Like, just naturally, I think when you get older, your body repositions things. Yeah. Like, he's still absolutely huge here, but I think he's got like maybe a smaller waist and bigger shoulders. But... Yeah, it looks like he's got an extra head coming out of each, each of shoulder. his trapezoid. Like he's a du- he's a, a Doug trio in development or something <laughs> like that, you know? And he's very cute. He's got a very cute little head. He's got a little... Little beard. Little, little beard. And I like it. It's a little... So, I say a beard. It's not a beard. beard. It's, it's not... a 2004 beard. Yeah. Like a... how Michael Cole had a beard. <laughs> no, Michael had a goatee. <laughs> Bobby Lashley here has um, a chin strap, I think you call it, which I don't normally like, but he's fucking rocking it. He looks really good. And I don't know if he's naturally got grey hair or if they bleached it, but it's kind of a, it's a blonde colour. So Blaster Lashley is introduced in the most old school, over the top manner possible. Ohio Valley Wrestling, we've mentioned a couple of times in the podcast before. Yeah. It came up, I think, in the Punk episode and the Paul Heyman episode yes. where Heyman, as kind of punishment, was sent to run this developmental system for a while. But for I'll the... show you. I'll make it great. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, it was run by Jim Cornette. You know, it was yeah. kind of a, a Kentucky-based promotion and they kind of, you know, they had TV, they had events. It looks so rinky-dink, though. And the, the part of it, I think, was just kind of it was building character. You did it in front of the smaller crowd with the small TV. A great idea. And everyone in that audience, like, they're game for it to be like, give me my old school wrestling. Yeah. And you have Bobby coming out in his big army fatigues and his, his big Timberlands and Jim Cornette's like, this is the biggest man I've ever seen. He's won so many collegiate wrestling titles I can't even list them. And he is part of Bolin Enterprises, which is uh, a man who's got a briefcase and a special challenge for the roster of OVW. If you can survive one minute with Blaster Lashley, you get a hundred dollars, baby. Wow. wow. Can I can I just say that is one of the funnest gimmicks ever? Because we've had like ten thousand dollars held yeah. above the ring, five thousand dollar battle royale, one minute, one hundred dollars. It seems to be that if you last two minutes, you'll get 200 oh, and really? so on and so okay. forth. I think Going this... for one hour, Brian Danielson. Yeah, that's it, I've right? Been Iron Man match. I want someone to come out there like you have a real tragic wrestler. Like kind of you know, maybe like Ric Flair in later years or Shawn Michaels and they did that. Oh no, I've done bad investments. Yeah. And they have to wrestle as long as they can to get as much money as possible. So Blaster Lashley has got that special quality of a man who is so strong 
he kind of doesn't know what to do with himself. In the 40 or so seconds he wrestles against Cliff Compton here, he nearly falls over three or four times mm. picking someone up because he picks them up with such ease. Their momentum kind of staggers him. Yeah, so again, I think that's again more of that thing about I was saying about repping to failure, where you're constantly pushing yourself. <laughs> you find that so funny. Like, no, no, wait, You've right. done it before. Yes, I know, but it's one thing repping to failure when you're doing push-ups and watching below deck. He's repping to failure picking up Cliff Compton for yeah. a fucking suplex. <laughs> <laughs> When you're doing that type of workout, though, where you are constantly pushing your body to like the brink of what it can possibly do, you're constantly getting bigger and stronger. I don't think you ever get a chance to really learn where your limit is. So then yeah. he's probably picking up these guys and thinking they're going to be a lot heavier than they are to him, That's and then true. they're like actually quite light to him. Because in wrestling, unlike in amateur, you know, in pro wrestling, I should say, unlike amateur wrestling, they're helping you. That's it. There's a cooperation yeah. there, and I think. Blaster Lashley was of the opinion that no one was going to go up from. So whoosh. it's like when you pick up like a, a heavy mug of what you think is going to be like coffee, and it's empty, and you're like, Bleh, and you <laughs> smash it all over yourself. I like the term blaster in wrestling. I know we had the Blaster Masters with uh, oh, with Kevin better. Nash and whatnot. Blaster Lashley though sounds like such a. It sounds like a name that my brother, when he was six, would have given to one of his blaster. action men. Yeah, this is Blaster Lashley. I like Bobby as a thing because it does. It's always great. Yeah, it was uh, Franklin Roberto Lashley is his actual name. His name is Franklin. His name is Franklin. Like a frog, Franklin. Was why? Because it's an F or or is there actually a frog named Franklin? I it might be on that shelf. I have a book from my childhood. Oh yeah, about a brave little frog. Is it the anxious frog? The anxious frog, and he's called Franklin. And the message of he has to go to a social a public place with all his friends and he's really anxious about it. And then he goes to see a fortune teller and the fortune teller gives him a special bag. And in the and bag in is the bag. $100. And if you ask $100 with Franklin the Frog and you don't get anxious, you get you get the money for 60 seconds, baby. No, in the bag is a special thing that means that he won't be scared. And he goes on these roller coasters and he hangs out with his friends. And at the end of the day, he opens up the bag and the bag was empty because it was in him all along. Oh. And that's what Bobby Lashley is like he's that brave frog well as far as Vincent Mann concerned he wasn't a brave frog he was a big piece of beef because six months he was in developmental and training and he was on the main roster straight away like very very quick I mean he has you can see just from this match here that he's got a natural ability even if he is a bit clumsy at this point yes like he's so snappy and fast which I guess is that amateur background because you have to be for that but he is also so strong. And he's got the look. He yes. looks like a wrestler. And that's always always interesting about seeing, you know, whether it's a John Cena or a Brock Lesnar or a CM Punk or whoever it was, when you see them in that OVW ring and it's kind of like the shitty video quality, yeah. it's kind of a dingy looking studio, you can really tell who's a star because yes. if it's like, he don't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> and he has big vibes. It's like, yeah, this guy needs, to be, needs to be too big. Yeah, yeah he, seriously. And do you think that this is like... An obvious Vince McMahon choice because, you know, Vince McMahon clearly showed an early interest in young Bobby Lashley here. Oh, I think so, definitely. I think he took one look at that man's body and was like, oh, wow. I think Bobby Lashley's only downside with Vince is that he's too nice. I think Vince would see that as a massive weakness. Yeah, Bobby very much like kind of a going with the flow type of a guy. Didn't want to make waves and all that. And you think if you're young... And also, you've had this kind of star-spangled career that's been kind of cut short and taken away from you. And you get this 
magic second golden ticket chance, mm. you're kind of going to do what you're told and get your head down and try and please the boss. I mean, I guess coming from an army background and having an army dad yeah. probably also means you're going to be a lot like that. 100%. You've kind of been raised to follow rules. Now, the thing about Bobby Lashley is that when he debuted in 2005 in on SmackDown, there was no one who really looked remotely like him in terms of size and whatnot. And I mentioned, you know, that Brock Lesnar, you know, he had left the company maybe six months to a year beforehand. Mm. Uh, something I do remember a lot was this was a time period where a lot of people who I watched wrestling with stopped. There were two big periods where it stopped. It was like when Stone Cold turned bad guy, all my yeah. friends stopped watching wrestling. And when Brock Lesnar left in 2004... All the 16 and 17 year old boys who were addicted to creatine and on the rugby team, they all stopped watching. So right. I lost I lost my friends, I lost the beef boys. <laughs> I had no one to watch wrestling with. It was just me watching wrestling on my own. It Aww. sucked. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nowhere near as fun to sneak down in boarding school to watch wrestling when you're the only one. You know, it's your ass mm. on the line then. But I do remember distinctly that Bobby got a lot of flack from the people who were watching wrestling and then stopped because they came in, the wrestling was on TV and they caught a glimpse. All of a sudden, here's this NCAA wrestling champion who's got massive shoulders and he does the jump from the floor to the ring apron just like Brock Lesnar. And straight away, like, from these folks who weren't watching us anymore, he was like public enemy number one. Just because he was similar. Because, oh, look, they've tried to bring in another Brock Lesnar. He's just some guy off the street they got to, to fill his role. And I don't think, like, the fans en masse, it's not as if Bobby got booed and rejected, because mm. I think there's a lot of love lost for, for Lesnar when he left. But I remember that like, a lot of my brother's friends as well. Like, people who hadn't watched wrestling, they'd see Bobby and go, oh, they didn't see the uniqueness of him. They saw, oh, they're trying to make him be something else. It's so weird to me that people ever thought that, because I, I can't think of two people who are more different, him and Brock Lesnar. Like, Brock Lesnar isn't cute. He's not nice. But, you know, don't think Bobby was being pushed as being cute or he nice. Just look at the man. The thing like, was- <laughs> I saw that OVW match and I was immediately like, oh my God, that guy is adorable. But they had him snarling. They tried yeah. to make him look mean. When I, he- like, I kind of like that as well, though. It's like the juxtaposition of like, then when he doesn't do the snarling, you can see his nice smile. Whereas Brock Lesnar, he's never... He hasn't got a nice, <laughs> nice smile. <laughs> he's got that scary cowboy smile now. Yeah. It's, it's not the same thing. Ooh. I think when Bobby put a microphone to his lips oh. early on... Yeah. And he had the nice, soft-spoken voice like this. I mean, that's quite like Brock Lesnar. But, you know, that was it. You know, Brock did have that, but Brock kind of, he looked scarier, yeah. you know. And also Brock had Paul Heyman doing a lot yes. of the talking for him early on. Bobby didn't really have that. He didn't really have anyone. No, he didn't have a mouthpiece. Really? So he would speak now and then... And usually when he spoke, it was kind of a bit cringe-inducing. Mm. And when you've got a lot of people who aren't really watching the product and they're kind of like, oh, let's check to see how bad... You know, I found in my case, a lot of my friends and whatnot who had stopped watching wrestling, they'd love to like tune in and just be like, look how shit it is now. I feel so smart for not watching wrestling anymore. Right. And you know, you have Bobby there and he'd try and do his promo, you know, and he'd be like, you say your name is Finley and you like to fight? Well, I say your name is Finley and you're a... Bastard. Oh, I saw that Aww. today. <laughs> and he's Titan Tron, you know what it said? Uh-huh. It said Bobby Lashley. Do, 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 do. Hard hitting. Do, 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 do. Soft spoken. <laughs> I'm glad they leaned into it yes. though, because I do feel like there's certain wrestlers like Brock Lesnar, and I'm not including his current run because I think Brock Lesnar has gone through some kind of training. Yeah, he's evolved he's over evolved, the years, for and sure. He's, he's now a really good talker and he's soft spoken. But like, I think previously Brock Lesnar was one of those people where I was like I just don't want to hear him talk yeah 
And I think there have been certain points in Bobby's career where I've also been like, you know, when he's a heel, I think he shouldn't talk. But when he's a face, I think it's lovely to have him be this like big muscular guy who's soft spoken. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that's like... And not many people doing that, are there? You know know what? I think actually big men, big nice men need representation too. And there's a lot of, (laughs) you know, like I think of Dave Bautista on um, the Bear Grylls show and he's like, oh, sometimes I feel like a big dumb idiot because I'm so fucking huge and massive. And it's like, well, that's okay. You're allowed to be massive. You're still a nice guy. It's it's good, and I think Bobby Lashley would be good representation for other big nice guys. I just think it's funny that a lot of wrestling fans will, at the one point, bemoan that someone is being presented as being similar to someone else. Yeah. But then the second they try and show you a different aspect that makes them different, they're like, ah, look at you. <laughs> you know, and I feel it's like when wrestling fans decide that someone is like just a reincarnation or attempt to, to redo something, I feel it's so unfair. Yeah. You know, like, Ryback being compared to Goldberg, I thought it was like, what a strange thing. I, yeah, I know he's win a lot of matches and he's bald. <laughs> but, like, you yeah, know... That's, that's kind of where the similarity ends. Yeah, so I think that, you know, Bobby did have something different about him in that presentation that he was kind of, you know, not the big snarling monster, whatever it was. And it's funny, we did mention way back in that, you know, it was... Backlash 2018 on our Patreon, where it's like, yeah, maybe one day we'll do a, a how to Bobby Lashley. Yeah. I was like, maybe we'll, we'll ask Billy for some help about that. And Billy was adamant, mm. Billy Cable of the Attitude Podcast, adamant that one of the matches that you saw tonight for how to Bobby Lashley was his debut on oh, pay per view. Really? This is a Billy suggestion. This is a Billy now, suggestion. Very restrained. I thought Billy would want me to do Bobby Lashley versus Chris Masters. Well, we did watch the Master Lock Challenge later on. More on that in a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, this is Bobby Lashley versus Simon Dean from No Mercy 2005. So he'd had like a couple of matches on television before I had on SmackDown and they just like had him completely squash people. Like he was indestructible one of the people he had squashed was his opponent Simon Dean he like broke his hand just by shaking his hand too hard that's like a political no-no isn't it in the wrestling business <laughs> get blacklisted for that no 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 man listen the Undertaker has it one way in his locker room boy you walk up to every veteran and you break their hand by shaking <laughs> it you know and then these these boys the young bucks come into the locker room and they won't even break Booker T's hand I'm like where's the spec for the business you know that's ridiculous so yeah, <laughs> I like I like Bobby being like just so nice. He takes yeah. it too far. <laughs> That's what you want, right? Like I mean, to break your hand. I'm being respectful. <laughs> Simon Dean is one of my all-time favorite semi-shitty gimmicks. I wanted you to. And I think it was at a rumble that we watched a while ago. But what's the Simon Dean gimmick? So tell me what you understood it to be. He seems to be like a motivational, like weight loss guru type yeah. fitness guy. You're not my weight loss guru, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm not gonna lose weight for you. <laughs> he uh, he seems to be wearing them like matching tracksuit things that they do in. I, th- I think this is a lost genre. I don't think we have them anymore because it's all like moved on to Instagram influencers yeah. and stuff. But back when we were young, there would be a lot of like daytime TV workouts. Mr. Out. Motivator yeah. or uh, Richard Simmons you know, and Jane stuff like Fonda. that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were loads of people. And it was like every celebrity had their fitness motivator phase where they'd come out with the the tapes and they'd talk about how they'd bring in someone who's like done a who was previously had a lot of weight on them and then they followed their workout regime they had their powders yeah and now they are 
like this. And um, so, so si- Simon has the Simon system. That's his special right. powder, his chalk that the he Simon. sells. It's actually a powder. I mean, well, it was used as an illegal object. Oh, it was. He'd be like, that, and he'd throw the powder at wow. you. Like, oh my god, like protein. Ah. So yeah, he comes out on what do you call it? A scooter? It's not a scooter. It's like a um, Segway. It's a Segway. Yeah, or it's okay. the, the Simon. <laughs> The Dean Machine, I think the is what Dean he called. Machine. I don't know. How do I know so much Simon Dean lore? I love him. Yeah, don't get me started about his uh, tag team he had, the Gemini. But wow. that's that's for that's for how to Nova. That's another episode. <laughs> don't worry. So yeah, he comes out on this um, on this I'm just Segway. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> they discontinued the Segway a few years ago. I know. I, look at this, the cultural erasure already. So he comes out on the Segway, and behind him is another guy carrying like a massive like plate or tray of burgers and simon stands in the ring and he says texas which is where they are has the highest number of fat people and he's gonna sort them all out and stuff with his special new workout regime and then he says if he loses this match and i think at this point he doesn't know who he's gonna be up against no he knows it's against bobby yeah okay he's an idiot then (laughs) Kind of funny in its That's own another way. important part of the Simon Dean right. lore is that he is an idiot as well. Because he's like not a particular. I think this is part of the joke. Like he's obviously he's he's a, a buff looking professional wrestler, but like compared to Bobby Lashley, like not. Yeah, he's like, a jobber. He's a jobber. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so he says, if he loses against Bobby Lashley, he will eat all twenty burgers. And would you believe they're the peanut butter and jealousy burgers? So <laughs> they've got peanut butter and jam and a scoop of vanilla ice cream in each one. Is there a rule in WWE where if there's a stipulation or if there's just any inclusion of food, it has to be cold and gross? Yes. Like Biggie can't come out with nice pancakes. No. They have to be cold, gross pancakes <laughs> in a box. The worst one is when they do a pizza party. And the pizza looks like it's made of plastic. No, Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler aren't going to wrestle in nice, hot, homemade gravy. No. It's going to be in cold, cold grey water. With a thick layer of scum on top. And let me tell you, these are some of the most tragic-looking fucking burgers I've ever seen in my goddamn life. I thought they looked kind of delicious. Really? Yeah, a little bit. I fucking love a nasty oh. burger. Actually, this is true, because after the London Podcast Festival, usually you yep. also get a burger and then have one bite and then go, night, night. And then the next morning you have this... Cold, cold treasure wrapped yeah. up that you eat on a train <laughs> yeah I'm a weirdo so I you know. were looking at these going like oh no I hope Simon doesn't lose you have to eat all those delicious cold burgers I mean 20 burgers is like I mean that's a you know beard meets food level challenge I think even he'd struggle with that or I mean Ryback could easily demolish that we know that for a fact yeah, now, right? Ryback and could. they would be cold as well um, <laughs> I got my notes confused here folks I hold my hands up in the air I wrongly thought the stipulation of this match was for every minute Simon Dean lasts against Bobby Lashley he gets a burger <laughs> but no it wasn't the case it was uh, it was 20 burgers 20 burgers double if, cheeseburgers yeah, if, if he loses he eats them all if he wins what happens I think Bobby has to eat the burgers. Oh. I'm assuming like... Peanut, just add some peanut butter and ice cream. Bobby will probably eat those burgers. So yes, Bobby Lashley comes out and despite the fact that we spent around an hour talking about it, it does follow me to say the size of this man. This is so funny as well because you were literally like, Jesus, Bobby is huge. And then literally a second later, we cut on screen to a child holding a sign that says, Bobby Lashley is big. 
And you can imagine Vince McMahon the heads is like, cut to that side yeah, right now, no. right this second. I mean, he is. He's huge. There is an amazing, dramatic, long shot where Bobby is stood on the ring apron and in the foreground is the burgers. And you see Bobby <laughs> looking like really intense, like he's about to take on Lesnar for the universal title. <laughs> except there's burgers on the line here. He's got his little goatee going on here at the moment. Now, something I was confused a bit by, and maybe we'll try and wrap our heads around the mystery... But I swore I'd heard from you that he had like alopecia or something yes, like that. He now does. I'd studied alopecia over my years as a zoologist because I looked at bears with alopecia and I looked at demodex, which can cause That's alopecia. So interesting. I'd love to know more about bears with alopecia. I don't know anything about how it affects the animal kingdom. You could read all about it in my very sad master's thesis. Have we got it here? Uh, it is knocking around here oh, I think somewhere. It's in the loft. Yeah. No, no, it's on the loft. It's Isn't with it? the, it's with the scientific texts. Oh, nice. Because I know I read one of yours, but I don't know if I read that one. I mean, it might have been the one about bears, but you know. Alopecia is hair loss. Yeah, hair loss. It's an autoimmune disease, apparently, which I only learned yesterday. Now, I thought that Bobby had alopecia. He does. But he has a little... I guess you don't have... If it's alopecia, it's not necessarily all over your body, I guess, you know. Yeah, and also because it's an autoimmune disease... So, okay, first of all, he does have all over alopecia. There's a a particular name for it. It's like a science name, which I can't remember what it is. I didn't write it down, so I can't remember. But he, he does suffer from all over alopecia, all over hair loss. But because it's an autoimmune disease, it actually means that you don't necessarily get born with it. It's something that can develop later on in life okay. or when you're a teenager or when you get a bit older. So it happened kind of in and, phases maybe or Yeah, well, I think it I think sometimes stress as well can trigger. I'm not I'm not entirely sure, please don't I'm not a doctor. But he I think he developed alopecia in around 2016, 2015, maybe. Okay. Um, because if you look, obviously here he's got a beard. Yeah. And at certain other points in his career you can see he's got a bit of like um, facial hair and stuff like that. But if you look now at Bobby Lashley, you'll see he doesn't have eyelashes or eyebrows. Really? Yeah. So That's why he wore a headband for a lot of his run, exactly. though, isn't it? That's oh. why he wore a headband for a lot of his run, because obviously your eyebrows keep your sweat from getting in your eyes. I know this from boarding school, where the drummers uh, in the heavy metal band got their eyebrows shaved and uh, then couldn't perform adequately at the talent show yeah. because the sweat kept going in their eyes and they looked like lizards. They should have done the Bobby Lashley. Just the headband. But um, yeah, fun fact about him having alopecia is that you'll notice, I don't know if anyone's ever spotted this before, but oftentimes in WWE promotional marketing guffins, the pictures. <laughs> they did, they did that with the, for the Saudi show he yeah. did with, with Brock. They added it they in, didn't they? photoshop in eyebrows Why? and it looks so bad. And they still do it to this day. Like, because I follow Bobby Lashley on Instagram, so I see a lot of his promotional posters that he shares. And they do such a bad, horrible job on photoshopping in his eyebrows. Because one, okay, first of all, I don't think he needs eyebrows because... He's got a great, perfect face, and honestly, he doesn't need it. But two, he actually had... It's false advertising as well, I might add, you know? You're telling me I'm going to see eyebrows in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> they better fucking be there. But yeah, also, as well as him, I don't think he needs them aesthetically. He does actually have tattooed eyebrows. He's He has what I have. Oh, you micro, microbladed. Microbladed, which is when they literally, like, cut open your skin, and then they, like, put dye in it and it's like semi-permanent so that's why sometimes you'll see if he's just had it touched up you'll see it looks a bit weird and dark and like too dark for his complexion and then other times it looks perfectly fine yeah i do remember you getting that done and then you're the person saying to you like well i'll see you in six months and that was like five years ago yeah it's like never come off (laughs) yeah you you took to it well i took it well yeah (laughs) too well (laughs) i don't know if bobby's skills in seasoning have increased much since his brief tenure as blaster lashley because it in the three or so minutes he throws around young Simon Dean, who I will say, Simon is like one of those lads who's like 
you know, he's kind of like one of those wrestlers that it's like a duck where you can't see how hard he's working. Like he's kind of a guy who makes his business to make someone else look kind of better than they realize. You know, they put him there against Bobby to help Bobby look good. But even with the super cooperation, there's like two or three moments where he's just maybe throwing the guy around and it's like, yeah. he catches him in the corner at one point and like he's meant to kind of like walk forward with him and they just completely lose their footing. And it's one of those moments where you're like, oh man, you know, the wind blowing a different direction. Someone could have been dropped on their head here. Yeah. And I think going back and watching some of these earlier Bobby matches compared to, you know, we see him every month when we're doing our pay-per-view reviews. There's a lot there's a lot of learning to be done here still. There's yeah. a there's a lot of uh I don't know, fine tuning for lack of a better term as well. Probably a good thing then they they paired him up with someone like Simon Dean because he yeah. seems like a bit of a it's so funny to say this about someone I've literally only just discovered, but he seems like a little bit of a ring general this guy. Like- I mean, yeah, he he's got the he's got the match clearly in the palm of his hand and I think it's probably important as well for someone like Bobby Lashley if you're coming in and you're clearly being groomed by Vince McMahon as being yeah. like someone of note for the future. It's probably best that you get used to shit like this quite quickly. Yes. Because in 2005, you're probably not going to be having your serious technical wrestling matchups talking about MMA records and collegiate athletic accomplishments. You're more than likely going to be wrestling a man in purple pants in a big pile of burgers. Yeah. And it's not long before the burgers are brought into the fray, Joe. Yeah, so Simon, he uses the the hitman technique that I love to do, which is he throws the burgers to distract the referee. Huh? Huh? I guess it was nothing. Command! I got a burger. <laughs> probably nothing. Probably some joker throwing burgers around. But yeah, he, he chucks a burger around to make a mess, which means the referee immediately is like, huh? And starts like cleaning up the burger. And while he's doing that, Simon throws the burger tray that they're on. He, he tips all the burgers onto the ring, like in the corner, makes a horrible nasty oh, mess. Yeah. And then he like uses the tray to hit Bobby. And Bobby absolutely, like to say he no-sells it would oh, imply yeah. that there was some sort of a registering that he had to then ignore. No, he nothings it. Not even like a mosquito, like swatting away a mosquito, because you'd have to notice that. Yeah, it was like a glitch, basically, yeah. where it's like, oh no, his animation didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, Bobby, Bobby is uh, quite an impressive physical specimen here. I will say, with regards to the legendary history of Houston as a wrestling town, seeing Bobby Lashley throwing Simon Dean into a big pile of burgers and then there's like a big burger patch on simon's arse looks like he's proper shit himself and yeah and you literally have taz be like i don't know if that came from like inside simon or outside simon (laughs) and then michael cole's like and of course houston great wrestling city the legendary promoter paul bosch is in attendance here it's like (laughs) don't invoke paul bosch when you're wrestling burgers he was face down in the mud in nazi germany fighting back the axis of evil good lord next poem is called Burgers, why? <laughs> yeah, Burgers, why? I, I have also signed in the prenuptial agreement I'm not allowed to do poetry on how to wrestling. It's just simply <laughs> simply barred, so we're not going to go into there. We're not going to cross those streams for, for now. I do think it would be quite comfortable to land in burgers and if I was a wrestler, I'd maybe want to land in burgers more often than not, I think, just to... <laughs> Comfy. I mean, yeah, it's 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 soft, soft enough landing, right? Squishy. It could give way, yeah. you know. It could take a bit of weight, mm. you know, bounce back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Simon does get the dominator onto yeah. onto, the onto the burgers. They're all fucking. Oh my god, it's such a mess. It's yeah. Disgusting. They're yeah. Just smeared everywhere. One star review for this delivery driver right here. It's uh, <laughs> an absolute shit show with what's happened here. Bobby picks up the win. <laughs> 
Michael Cole says what we're all thinking. You gotta wonder, Taz, is Bobby Lashley gonna make Simon Dean eat all these burgers? You know it. Now, what we then had was a series of, and I'll ask you for your rating at the end of this, because it's it's all about the storytelling here, obviously. Because what we then have is three separate segments throughout the night where Bobby Lashley intimidates Simon Dean into eating 20 mostly destroyed hamburgers. That's the thing, because I thought, okay, well, he surely has other burgers that he'll be made to eat. No. We scrape these ones up. They scrape them off the floor, Put off them back the together. ring, probably off his bum, and try and reassemble them. Um, it, uh, it's disgusting. It's really fucking gross. Now, I love a good burger. Yes. We, we might be having burgers this weekend. <gasps> to be confirmed. To be decided. Again, the prenup agreement. <laughs> but, but I think if you ever wanted to get off the burgers and yeah. you want to maybe cut down burgers in your life, just, just this. imagine this scene unfolding. Yeah. yeah, watch this: an intimidating, very sweaty Bobby Lashley leaning over, you going, "Eat him! Eat the burgers!" I, I feel I've got a really high tolerance for stuff like this because I, for fun, watch people eat vast quantities of, of food and vast quantities of disgusting food. It's you true. Know, I love a bit of LA Beast and he will eat, you know, 30 raw eggs in the shell. I have a strong stomach when it comes to weird, extreme eating. Again, Ryback. Is Again, <laughs> Ryback, yeah. But this is fucking foul. I mean, for one, yeah, as we said, they're all reconstructed, so it looks gross but also he keeps finding stuff in them there's a bit where he takes it's like a, bite. a shoelace no it was a clump of hair yeah. it was like someone's fucking hair extensions or something and it's uh, that makes me i can't the whole uh, set is shaking because Vince McMahon is laughing so yeah. much and it's really funny did you and simon dean sells it like a pro oh yeah he this whole thing is only made this good because of him he is so funny I think it's it's what Bobby needed to help with the confidence here. It's just like, Bobby has to do very little. Very little, And yeah. yet he seems like this cool dude who made this jerky a load of burgers. Bobby is, I love Bobby Lashley, and, but he is kind of shit here. And he's like, he's like, eat it, eat the burger. And Simon Zine's like, no, I don't eat it. No, it's disgusting. No, it's so gross. Oh, I'm going to be sick. And Bobby Lashley is like, eat it. I said eat it. And and we cut to the end of the night. This is like the fourth segment where backstage, like Simon's got like burger in his hair and he's all he's like sweating profusely. <laughs> he just like take his top off and he's like, I did it, I ate all the burgers. And Bobby's like, Well, I've got another burger for you right here, and it's extra disgusting. And I'm like, Okay. Mm. You officially crossed the line into clips for sale territory right here. Oh, with his so fetish studio stuff right here, right? It's so funny you say that. Really? Because I had the exact same thought. And I ah! actually went and did a bit of research to see if this showed up on any, like, fetish sites. Now, I had safe search on because ah, I was, it was while we were watching, I couldn't be bothered to multitask too much. But I couldn't find anything. But I do have, I did search, my search history does have force-feeding Bobby Lashley fetish <laughs> in my search history now. So... I mean, tweet in if you are listening at home and you know if this has ended up on a clips for sale somewhere. Because I really it do. Definitely it definitely has. Really f- Bobby Lashley force feeds Simon Dean I mean, 20 burgers. It's a chicken and the egg situation, yeah. though. Did, did that inspire this or did this inspire that? I mean, yeah. I say chicken and the egg. It could be the burger and the vomit, like, yeah. you know. And, and of course, you may be surprised to find out that this incredibly Vince McMahon themed segment ends. With Simon Dean getting sick. Yeah. Bobby's not like laughing about it. No. You know, he's kind of serious about it. Well, I have complicated feelings about this because I actually thought this was really funny. Because like, yeah, if you eat 20 burgers, if most people eat 20 burgers and they're not LA Beast or Ryback, you're going to get sick, right? Yeah. 
But then when I was reading about this segment afterwards, someone said that this is um, an ongoing thing with Simon Dean's storyline that he had bulimia. What? No. Okay, that's all right then. So it's still funny because I was like, that sounds so the, like the closest Man booking. Like, I, I, be- I would believe that. The closest thing to it would have been like the fact that the Simon Dean character is very obviously meant to be like Ben Stiller's character in Dodgeball, you know, and there's the whole thing where he's like, you know, the junk food and be like, oh, I'm not going to eat it and stuff like that. Like yeah. in kayfabe, Simon Dean's character has a fucked up relationship with food. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like saying that he's like bulimic and making himself get sick, that's just like, I think that's yeah, misrepresenting it. Like. That's just so different from like a guy getting sick because he eats 20 burgers and a guy getting sick because he has bulimia. It's like one thing is fine to joke about and one is not fine to joke about. I mean, I was a form chewer. If someone came yeah. to me and said that they were, you know, making themselves sick, that's a very different discussion yeah. from if someone came and said, a man, I ate 20 burgers. Made me eat 20 yeah. burgers. And then I was understandably you know, very sick. We're still escalating this. Yeah. Don't worry. We're going to get sorted, but I'm, it's different strands. I'm glad you... Yeah, thank you for kind of confirming that with me, because I was worried. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's very rare... So it is, that's it. I think it's very rare you get to see, like, such a pure window into the fucked up soul and psyche of Vince McMahon. Yeah. And this is, Vince has a fucked up relationship with Feud, and mm. the avatar for that is uh, young Simon Dean and Bobby Lashley <laughs> here. But I loved this. I thought this was really funny. I think that was the idea here. It's probably why Billy wanted you to see this, yeah. is that, you know, this is that nice, silly kind of light side of wrestling. And for a character who get involved in a lot of really serious stuff particularly later in his career i think it's good to see you know trial by fire a little bit although it's quite light fire you know in many respects yeah also but i do think it's kind of like i feel like because it's a bobby lashley episode i have to be really reviewing bobby lashley in this that's the performance we're looking for here and he didn't do a particularly great job here like the the match itself was fine but it was because of Simon Dean, not because of Bobby Lashley. Yeah, like Bobby had like two or three moves and he fucked up yeah. nearly all of them. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it was quite scary. If I had to watch this match like live, I would be like watching behind my back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, someone's going to die. And also Bobby Lashley's performance in the skit afterwards was quite bland, which was funny in its own way, but unintentionally so. Yeah, because Bobby, like, you know, he's... You can be soft-spoken, but when you're soft-spoken and you don't have any kind of... I don't know, character to you. He just seems a bit wooden, Yeah, I think. and I don't think... I think this is a, a time period in wrestling where they weren't given... Especially someone like Bobby Lashley who was rushed through the system so fast. They're not given that training on character development and confidence in their own selves. And it's barely a system at this point, like, yeah, as exactly. well. exactly. You know? So I think it's totally understandable that he seems nervous. But uh, I did only give this three and a half stars. I mean, in fairness, that's, that's a very... That's really the highest rating this match has ever received yeah, from probably. a critic in wrestling. Yeah. So, you know... I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> I and did. You didn't did. get sick. I didn't get sick, but it, there was that bit with the hair did make me gag. Yeah. I can't cope. A shoot with that. gag. A shoot gag. Disgusting. And I just can't cope with people getting hair in their mouths. They're so foul. <laughs> so Bobby had this interesting kind of first year on the roster on SmackDown, where he was constantly being presented as like the next guy, super legitimate. You know, you kind of put him up against someone. Chances are you expect him to to win one way, shape, or form. But there was also this idea as well, and I think they... I don't mean to be myself drawing like comparisons, like I think he's super similar to Lesnar, but I think there was this idea among the creative team that if we take another guy who's young and is still quite green and has a great look and he knows that we like him, if we strap a rocket to him and just make him this unbeatable killer, we'll have another Lesnar situation on our hands where a year or two from now, 
they decide they don't want to do this anymore and all of a sudden we've put all our eggs in one basket and that basket wants to do yeah. football or whatever yeah. it may be. I, mean, I totally do see, for the record, I do see the comparisons between him and Brock because yeah. of their wrestling style. And their backgrounds. And their background. But like that's the thing, because they have similar backgrounds, of course their wrestling style is going to be kind of similar as well. But... Yeah. And it's a weird time as well because WWE in 2005, despite having incredible technical wrestlers on the roster, wasn't, you know, a show that was going to say the word wrestling. You know, that was still very much not part of its remit. Mm. They didn't want to mention kind of real world stuff or or, or or get into it in that degree so they were kind of treating it with kid gloves in some respects the other viewpoint is this is that Michael Hayes who was the lead writer on Smackdown there was rumours going around that he didn't like Bobby Okay. And there's also been rumours going around as for... if I didn't dislike that man enough as it was. And look, I don't need to bring up Michael Hayes and, you know, black wrestlers without the sentence kind of auto-completing itself. Yeah. You know, he's someone who, you know, people like Booker T be like, well, he said the N-word all the time around me, but there's no malice in it, so it's okay. <sighs> there were rumours that apparently his managed push on SmackDown was being overly managed to the point where he lost his first big feud to Finlay. He mm-hmm. then, like, you know, he was the first person eliminated in the first Survivor Series match. He was kind of put in these situations where it's like, he's not ready yet, just so everyone knows he's not as good as we're kind of presenting him to be. And there were some opinions at the time that racism may have played a role in uh, Bobby's departure from that brand early on. That's a shame. Which is a shame. Yeah. Um, you know... And with his departure as well, later on in WWE, there was more chat about that. But the thing is, with Michael Hayes, he's such an integral part of that company. And that company has learned how to kind of transmute itself around any kind of indiscretions of Michael Hayes over the years. And it was, at one point, it was like, well, we'll get a black wrestler to come out and say that he's all right and not a racist, so it's mm-hmm. okay. And there was a point in time where they realized we can't do that anymore. So it just became, no one talk about Michael Hayes, please. Yeah. So I think you will never really get to the bottom of what really went on there. But apparently one person had his eye on young Bobby Lashley and thought he was a great fit for his new show and thought, this guy is fucking amazing. Let's do it. I'll, if you don't want him, Michael Hayes, you know, I'll take him. And that man was Paul Heyman and the relaunched mm. ECW. So it was decided that Bobby Lashley was going to be this, just the tonic to help that failing third brand. I'm really surprised it was Paul Heyman. Well... The reality is with Paul, when as soon as Bobby was brought in and they announced that he was going to be in the extreme elimination chamber at December to December, taking on other ECW superstars like The Big Show and Hardcore Holly and Test, mm. that the, as soon as that was announced, all of a sudden Paul Heyman didn't like the idea of Bobby Lashley. And he's like, I don't know, I want, you know, CM Punk is my guy, I don't know if I want oh, Bobby okay. Lashley here. And all yeah. of a sudden Vince got really pissed off because it was like, you were angling to get this guy, and in his mind, the only reason he was doing that was to kind of undermine the other creative team or whatever it is. Now, you and I have watched the Extreme Elimination Chamber and all of December to December for our pay-per-view classic series. Yes, do you, I don't remember it. Do you remember what you had to do during that match to make it through? Oh! Otherwise, you told me you'd quit podcasting and never continue. <laughs> yeah, I put on a persona music um, to make it entertaining. That's my secret... For honestly, pro tip to anyone trying to get other people into wrestling if they don't seem into it, put on some really great music in the background. 
watch it time up it's fantastic makes yeah. it way better uh, yeah well I mean anything could have made watching the extreme elimination chamber better yeah. uh, including not watching it at all that but, would have made it great but we did watch it and Bobby had the strange distinction of this would have been like six months after they relaunched ECW Rob and Sabu had had their arrest and Rob got stripped of the titles and it was very much apparent it's not going to be ECW as you know it at all at all at all and all of a sudden, Bobby Lashley is the world champion. And the next night, Paul Heyman leaves WWE forever. Mm. Uh, only to come back, if, you know, however many years later. Let me tell you, Joe, public enemy number one for young, angsty teenage Kevin was this son of a bitch, Bobby Lashley. Oh. I fucking hated this. Oh. How dare they make this man be the ECW champion? I mean, it is ridiculous. He's just not, he's not the right type of wrestler. <laughs> I like to think of like all the stories you told in the Sabu episode like yeah and you go into one room and they'd be like you know all my friends doing crack and another room all my friends are, like yeah. eating pizza and smoking weed in another Bobby room Lashley. for He'd any version of out, probably. that's what genuinely that's yeah. what he does for fun is work out <laughs> and the reason he was given this ECW championship was that quite quickly he was getting a rocket strapped to him because he was going to be a part of a centerpiece storyline something that was going to be huge for both Bobby and WWE because the future president of the United States, Donald Trump, was coming in and he was going to be involved in the Battle of the Billionaires with Vince McMahon. Vince had picked Umaga as his chosen representative, who would be the younger brother of Rikishi. We did an episode on. Ah. And Donald Trump, somewhat inexplicably, chose Bobby Lashley. I like to think it's like, in kayfabe, Donald Trump would have just looked at the roster and gone, Wow, he's big. I mean, he is big. He's probably one of the biggest guys. Which, which one's the biggest guy? That's I mean, the one I want. <laughs> the strangest thing you will ever hear is Donald Trump saying, "The ECW World Champion Bobby Lashley." Like, so many things are wrong there. It's like the AI that generates our world has malfunctioned mm-hmm. and has made this horror show. Now, I don't want to talk too much about Donald Trump because we already did an episode about that and it was uh, it was cursed in its own right. But I do want to talk about this whole storyline that kind of builds up Bobby Lashley and Vince McMahon. When I told you we'd be doing Bobby Lashley and Vince McMahon and looking at the feud and all that, um, were you excited? I was. I was really excited at first. <laughs> and then... The excitement was replaced by a chill of dread. Why? When you realise that there was another billionaire involved? Not even that. My issue was actually with Vince McMahon because, as people know, I love Vince as a character. Mm-hmm. And then I realised this is the era of Vince where he gets his hair all shaved off. It and is, becomes yes. extremely dark-sided. Yeah. This is like the start of the end of Vince being entertaining for me. <laughs> you're, you're actually 100% right. I he think if I was to pitch it, yeah, it, it's all linked to this hair all here. All linked to the hair. It 100%. never grew back properly and he was never as funny again. We watched a lot of these segments building up because it was kind of Bobby's first, you know, very, very big feud. And, you know, he was kind of center stage for this angle that involves, you know, Trump and McMahon, it also involves Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's for the WrestleMania that had, at that time, it was the biggest buy ride they had ever done. It was a huge, huge deal. And the idea is that we'd have all this pomp and circumstance, and afterwards, Bobby Lashley will have been given the rub from all this, you know, superstardom, and he'll be the next top guy, basically. Like, he was actively being groomed at this point that he was going to be potentially John Cena's replacement. Wow, he'd have been a great pick for that. Do you think he could have ha- yes. hung as the face yes. of the company at that time? If he had been given proper mic training. Yeah. Because I think that's the only thing he can't 
even today he can't really do he can't really be a much of a talker but i think he's got the work ethic i think that's the number one most important thing in being a top superstar for WWE is you have to have that work ethic because you're going to be doing the charity work, you're going to need the promotional stuff, the marketing things, you're going to get shipped abroad to the troops to do shows for them. Like, you're just constantly on the go. Like, enjoy never having a home life ever again. Better learn Mandarin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think Bobby could have handled that. I think he would have taken that on just fine. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, you know, this would have been the time where people were moaning about John Cena being the champion for so long. And I think at that time, anyone would have been like an acceptable alternative for the fans. And I think I will say as well, you know, as much as Bobby got shoved instead of pushed, Mm. I think it says a lot about the temperament of the wrestling audience back then, at least, that he wasn't being booed by audiences. It's not like, you know, people like me who are like, oh, no, he's the ECW champion. Like, he wasn't being rejected. Yeah. And it's funny when you compare him to, say, someone like Roman Reigns, who years Mm. later would be similar. Like, hey, he's the guy, and he's got all, he's got pedigree and all the tools, and no, 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 we're not taking that at all. Imagine if Bobby Lashley got wank pheasant chance (laughs) back in the day. Maybe it's because they never pulled the trigger fully on Bobby. We never got to see that. You know, when you're the guy in waiting... People are kind of always going to be a lot more accepting of I you, I guess, true, yeah. you know. And so we had this contract signing segment where Trump was brought out by Maria Canellis and Candace Michelle. He's no longer in the room void. That was the best bit with the other segment where he talks about the ECW championship is he's in this like apprentice like <laughs> void. Yeah, special board game. You know, we put in the VHS and there's Trump. It literally like, looks like you rolled a six. Congratulations. <laughs> literally straight out of an fmv game it's like the <laughs> wing the, commander or something it's, like. yeah it's like the card and conquer where you cut to tim curry talking about mars and space and stuff this is donald trump talking about the ecw championship yeah but uh, trump being accompanied by maria and candace michelle was quite a sight mm. two of these three people have pushed vaccine disinformation to a mass audience mm. do you know which two they are not maria Canales. not maria she's too good for that don't worry and I will say as well, in 2023, watching Donald Trump in a WWE ring trying to cut a promo where everyone's pointing laser pointers at him, I really thought the what? time... I noticed that. Really? Yeah. As all the time travellers coming back to try and stop it like, <laughs> that's what was happening there, I think. Bobby Lashley does what he does best in all of these segments, which is he stands there with his arms folded, looking serene and calm, mm. and slightly angry and intense when the moment calls for it. He is really good at acting with his face. There's a moment, because he's mostly standing there kind of dispassionately. And then there's a moment where Austin mentions Bobby and he's like, he says to Vince, like, you got a problem with bald people? And Bobby's head just snaps to look at Vince. (laughs) And his face, his facial expression just changes into this like mean, like, yeah, you got a fucking problem. And then just as quick, it's gone again. He's just like vacant. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that when people can do that with their face. I feel like they could have done more to get those guys over, the actual guys who are wrestling, than, you know, Trump and Vince. Because I think Definitely. we talked about in the episode. They were... And Stone Cold as well. Like, I just think it's yeah. too much of him. I think, like, they were promoting this like it was these two lads were actually going to wrestle, like the two fucking old billionaires, which yeah. was, was never was going to be the case. Instead, it's like that old kids game where you have, like, a fake ring and two, like, Rock plastic em, things. Yeah, robots. and you just smash the button, they go, pew, pew, biff, biff. I feel that, you know, with this WrestleMania match, which was huge, you know, it wasn't the actual main event, but it was promoted as the kind of the, the feature attraction. When money falls from the sky. Yeah. It's kind of made out to be that way. It pretty much, figuratively and literally, money fell from the sky during yeah. this pay-per-view. But I think that a lot of people have always been convinced, or a lot of people have always been very interested to know then kind of like, what was Bobby's role in all this? And mm-hmm. I feel there's been like a lot of interviews and stuff over the years asking Bobby, like, 
hey, why did you make a Donald Trump and stuff like that? I think we tracked down in one or two interviews, but he wasn't really budging or going to give anyone any indication of what they wanted Again, to hear. another reason why I think he could have handled the top spot in the company, because he is impressively apolitical. Yes, he, he's the diffuser of all political yeah, situations. Whatever his personal beliefs are, we don't know it. And that's very, I think, appropriate in the wrestling business. Yeah, we're not saying it's a good thing, it's not a bad no. thing. We're saying it's uh, appropriate. WWE like that. They, they do. absolutely want that. Yeah. Look, we're not going to actually cover the match because we've already done it and we have a strict don't do matches twice intentionally rule on this podcast. Yeah. I'm open to us having done it by mistake at least once because it's been a few years now at this point. I think it's okay to do it intentionally if they're good. That's true. This yeah. is not. And there's also times where Time has passed so much that your opinion on the match yes. has completely changed. Joe thinks a lot differently of Stone Cold versus Bret Hart these days than I she know. did back in 2015, is all I'll say. <laughs> but um, <laughs> let's talk about the night after WrestleMania because, you know, Vince McMahon gets his head shaved bald mm. at the Battle of the Billionaires. You can find out all about that in our much-loved Donald Trump episode that came out really, really perfectly timed. And <laughs> the night afterwards, Vince McMahon is bald. And they try to kind of take... The joy and the excitement and the humiliation of Vincent Man being bald, yeah. and they want to kind of like take that energy and put it on Bobby and make people be like, Yay, Bobby, you kind of get this goodwill somehow. I don't think they did that no, successfully. I didn't realize that was their aim. That didn't seem like it at all to me. Well, what, what we had here was a very rare instance, perhaps the only time, of first person Vince McMahon cam I on love Raw. This. Talk me through what happened when we walked a mile in Vince McMahon's shoes. Well, obviously, first of all, it's like filmed by like a like cousin Greg like <laughs> height intern because it's a like, very tall camera to make it look like Vince McMahon is like wearing like, a GoPro on his head. Taller, damn it, taller. <laughs> And yeah, it's from the perspective of Vince coming into the WWE offices um, or the backstage area just after having his head properly shaved because obviously it was kind of a, a mess when it was done in the match bleeding and everything <laughs> oh, disgusting um so he comes in and he's like wearing a hat or something but we can't see it because it's first person so we just see everyone's reactions to him so we see Vince like looking at like all his various employees yeah like i think is it um coachman kind yeah of, like leads him through the backstage area and is like oh don't talk to them because they're obviously going to be rude and then there's someone sniggering and vince is like what's so goddamn funny and then he takes his hat off and everyone's like laughing even more and yeah it was a really good little segment i thought it was really it was great world building which i'm always talking yeah, about yeah little life. backstage zone yeah you get to see different wrestlers interact with each other and exist in the same space you get to see a bit of the backstage area as well and then it's just like it's just a really good anticipation because I think Vince occasionally is very good for understanding what the people want and knowing how to yeah. kind of extract that. So obviously we want to see him bald, but he's kind of like hyping it up with this first person business. We're building it and building it. And like the idea here is that you're going to see Vince bald tonight and there's going to be a big haha about it. And that's going to like launch us into this, this storyline that's going to make Bobby Lashley like a big star because right. if Vince McMahon is feuding with you directly it's like it's a short list of people he's done that yeah. with you know Stone Cold Shawn Michaels Shawn Michaels The Rock you yeah. know Bobby Lashley and like you know the feud prior to this would have been that one with Shawn Michaels at the previous year's Wrestlemania so this was like pretty a pretty big, big feather in his cap to, to get this <laughs> speaking of feathers in his cap yeah Vince McMahon does have the most ridiculous hat when he comes out <laughs> he looks like Captain Von Trapp <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine that's what we need AI for. Actually, is to replace Christopher Plummer in The Sound of Music with Vince McMahon wearing uh, Vince a McMahon, terrible yeah. fedora. Look how well behaved all my superstars are. And he blows his little whistle. Here's the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan and uh, the Warlords and it's Bobby Lashley. Really funny as well because him bald with the hat on makes it look like sometimes on The Sims when you give a Sim a hat, they lose their hair. <laughs> just like that so we have this like well-meaning idea here but i think they should have realized straight away that bobby was unfortunately like the third most important thing at this because he's out there vince and he's got a silly hat on Mm. and he's like there's one person i blame for this and the whole crowd start chanting stone cold steve austin that's the trouble and then he's like well i blame him as well but there's someone else i blame he'd be like trump Trump. (laughs) well yes but neither of them are here so we were just left with Bobby and Mm -hmm. he says seeing as I can't take Bobby Lashley's hair I'll take his ECW title and that gets immediate we want Austin Chance and it's like okay so we're dealing with kind of like you're getting it but you're not you're getting the push you're getting the boss wanting you to be the guy is it like half-hearted? or Because I just feel like surely in WWE, if the top man, Vincent Man, wants you to be the guy, mm. you're going to fucking become the guy, right? No, because I think being, truly being the guy, remember that the audience is really the third, the, the, is, is much a character in wrestling as anything else. That's true. And I think to get the audience behind you, you have to book it right and you have to have the right storytelling. And the trouble is, as I said before, Bobby is a weapon. And he's especially a weapon in this feud with Vince versus Trump. He's essentially a gun or a knife. Like, he doesn't, it doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter what he believes because it's irrelevant to this yeah. story. It's about Because he never Trump. says anything about he it, does he? Yeah. We don't know what he thinks, except that he has issue with Vince having an issue with, block, with bald men. I mean, we actually watch a lot. I mean, we watch fucking all these yeah. segments, to be honest. And... I don't think Bobby spoke more than two words about this whole thing. It was just Vince going after him the whole time. And it's also not a case of like, because I feel you can do it without necessarily speaking. But like, also, it's not like Bobby was taking initiative and humiliating Vince or like... Oh, no, come on. Because he removed the surgically cemented hat of Vince McMahon. So that's after, though. That's after Vince is like, you know, all the Stone Cold chants and stuff. And I think that that does go some way to get elevating Bobby as a proper threat. Yeah, because Vince is coming out and he's like, by the way, my hat is cemented onto my head. It's surgically attached. Now, what I would have done is use this as an opportunity to introduce a heel milliner, you know, a a man to be like, that's right, and I made Vince McMahon. (laughs) It's ain't never coming off, Bobby Lashley. I guarantee it. Yeah, exactly. Like like kind of an Isaac Yankum type of a figure, but for hats, you know? And then when Bobby rips the hat off, it could like rip off the top layer of skin as well. (laughs) Well, that's what I was saying. When you said surgically cemented, I'm like, all right, we're getting hard way then tonight, right? Vince is being scalped in the ring. glue the hat on. What we get is probably the second best thing, which is Vince McMahon, after having his hat removed, goes, ah, I'm bald. And goes through all the ringside hats. Oh, he, that's great. He it's runs straight for his announcers, one of whom has got a crown. He's like, I'll put this on. Then he gets that ripped off. Then he gets JR's black cowboy hat and he puts that on. That yeah, gets ripped every off. Every time Bobby rips them off. And then eventually he, he runs and he puts his head under the ring apron. Is that what yes. you call it? Like the fabric-y bit. And he hides there for a bit and then Bobby rips that off. And then, and this is the bit actually I was really disappointed this in. This gross. It's fucking vile. So Vince then goes and he shoves his head under Lillian Garcia's skirt. And I was like, yeah, Bobby, fucking kill that gross pervert. And then instead Bobby Lashley rips her skirt off. And she's there like, oh no, ah. 
in her pants and is embarrassed. And... One embarrassed person isn't enough, amigo. I mean, this is like what happens when, as you said, he's he's like kind of a a weapon. I don't want to say like a puppet or like kind of because you know, it feels like he yeah, has no he's... autonomy whatsoever. Yeah. But like this is a case of like this is how you'll get over, champ. This mm-hmm. is how people will like you. They want to see guys ripping off old man's hats yeah. and girls' Sexual skirts, like young women. Yeah, and it's just like fucking creepy it's really and weird. Creepy. And it doesn't get Bobby over because it makes him look creepy. And it gets a like, smaller pop than the other reveal as well. So yeah. like, what's the point? I don't know. I just feel like yeah, all they had to do is instead of Vince. Instead of Bobby ripping off Lillian's skirt, all he had to do was like, I don't know. I pulled Vince by the ankle or whatever. Yeah, I, you know? I know. Bobby being a gentleman, I'd have had him hold out a hand and get Lillian to like step out of the ring or something. And then Bobby just like suplexed the fuck out of Vince. Oh, you know what I would have done? I would have maybe not had Mr. NDA stick his head in a female employee's I mean, uh, skirt. You know? I that kind of should go without saying. But it should just, go without yeah. saying. But I also think this is Vince McMahon. And if it's not that, it's going to be something probably worse. So, and at least he's a fucking heel. It's just like Bobby Lashley did something more heelish than Vince McMahon here. That's true. And Vince McMahon is kind of in the midst of an elongated midlife crisis. And that's all right when there's at least a couple of decent ideas knocking around. But I feel like in the long run, this idea of getting Bobby over through Vince McMahon, I don't, I think it did more harm than good. Because you can only do that once. You can only do the big feud with the top bad guy boss once. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, did they drag this out, folks. Four matches they had. No. Four matches. Oh my god, I'm so glad we didn't watch them. Yeah, we didn't watch four matches because I figured Wood, watching Wood was already indulgent enough yeah. in terms of a Vince McMahon appearance on a Bobby Lashley episode. But yeah, the first match they had was just kind of, it was the night before WrestleMania. The second match they had, it was it was him and Shane and Umaga versus Bobby for the ECW title where Vince McMahon became the ECW champion. And I'm like, I should hold In a do-rag. Uh, I'm gonna have a weird relationship with this company for the rest of my life now. Worst part of that is you probably didn't even have anyone to talk to about it because that's telling on yourself. Yeah, all so I, be all, like, why are you watching this? The only people I could complain to were the dozens of readers of my Hasslemania column on NoDQ.com. Wait, what? That has since been removed from the internet, and I'll ask you once again, owners of NoDQ.com. Where are your web archives? Let, let Kevin what? unleash Hasselmania back Sorry. from all of his fans. What? You've never told me this before. I've never told you that. You used to have a column on no I, I had a column briefly on the Dirt Cheat website back That's in the day. How? We've been together nearly 10 years. <laughs> the last vestiges of shame have come off me now. married. How am I... Oh my god. You never told me I was marrying a wrestling columnist, wrestling podcaster I could just about take. Yeah, but a dirt sheet writer? <laughs> Jesus. I uh, used to get weekly emails from people saying, I agree with that, what you said. And then other emails saying, I don't agree with what you just said there, yeah, actually. So you were legit then. I was very legitimate, you know. So legitimate, they had to take down the columns off the internet. And I figured if I keep abusing my, my platform over and over again and asking because my DMs aren't replied to, Maybe I'll get to see how how awful my opinions were in 2006. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this. The words you would have had to say about Bobby Lashley. I'm sure I talked about Terry Funk every opportunity I I could get. That's all I cared about at the time. But uh, yes, in terms of fucked up relationships with ECW, it don't get much worse than this because Bobby had his third match against Vince McMahon and his dream team, but he pinned the wrong guy. So Vince McMahon, still ECW champion, but with his hair grown back. Is take- no, it's not. 
<laughs> he has no longer got a do-rag on. He's no longer bald, but he's not got his hair back. Our next match takes us to One Night Stand 2007. What a difference a year makes as Vince McMahon takes on Bobby Lashley in a street fight for the ECW World Championship. We're one year removed from one of your all-time fave matches, Rob Van Dam versus John Cena at One Night Stand. Ooh. Quite a different vibe. I love that match. What, Rob and John? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds you of ECW and like kind of, it's all different and all that. Yeah. This, though, we have a very tired Joey Styles telling us, we can expect extreme physicality in this one, Taz. Mm. As Vince McMahon backstage speculates something bad is going to happen to him tonight in this match. He's got a bad feeling, a bad vibe. What was the purpose of this? This was so weird. It's so weird because he's like, I feel like I've got cancer. Yeah, he just Inside. says. And Shane's like, oh, come on, baby, you don't have cancer. Let's go to the ring. Yeah. What? I know. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So, yeah, um, ECW held in such high regard that for this title match, the actual logo they show, the picture they show of the of the belt is just like low-res JPEG. Yeah, it's really funny. I mean, that wasn't even photoshopped in, I don't think. That was like, you know, <laughs> paint job, I think, oh, on yeah, Microsoft. Paint, yeah. Oh, my God. Shane McMahon coming out with his dad wearing a double bed Duke Bay cover because style was not with the man back in 2007. No. What's happened to Vince's hair then? I know it's grown back, but something oh, so went wrong. wrong. It's so wrong. And this is a guy who spends, what, $1,000 a week on haircuts normally? Yeah. And I don't know what is up with his hair. I mean, for one, what the fuck was up with his head? <laughs> I feel that did untold damage to the to numbers of men who were like, oh, maybe I should shave my hair off and be bald. And then they saw Vince McMahon with a bald head and they were like, oh no, I might look like that. Don't worry, you won't. No one looks like that except for Vince McMahon. He's a fucking freak. But I will say, you know, because, you know, my head's covered in scars and, uh, and, and, you know, it's been stitched back together so many times. Yeah. Like, you know, I... I had a face where I had a shaved head. I'm like, cool. I look like I'm an ECW. I'm 14. Yeah. I've got a big scar right here and one here. I look like Devon Dudley, man. It's cool. And then I was like, as a girl older, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I don't want, you know, that constant reminder. But yeah. in German language college uh, for summer camp when I was 13 years old, all the boys decided they all wanted to shave their heads and look cool because it yeah. was like a communal thing. And I think it really will set you straight about this if you see 20 young men from ages 13 to 16, all shave their heads at once. I think that's a very awkward age to have a shaved head yes. as well, because again, your head hasn't grown properly yet at that point. Your brain isn't fully developed. Yeah, and having lads like shave their heads and be like, what the fuck? Like, I don't look like Stone Cold at all. Yeah, what, what's this? I've got a sack at the back of my head. Like, <laughs> You don't mind your sack? I've got lines. Yeah, like there are these lads who are like all like tough, rowdy boys and like they were literally in tears. They're like, when will it grow back? Like, you did this. <laughs> You didn't lose a wrestling match. You, know, you didn't put your mask on the line or anything like that. You didn't need to lose your hair as well. But yeah, um, I was wondering how could Bobby, after this four-match series being built up, we've had Donald Trump, WrestleMania, we've had head shaven bald, we've had all this crazy stuff building up. What could Bobby possibly do to live up to the hype of the moment? The first move in this match, Literally. Joe. And it's like, it feels wrong to even call it a move, except for the fact that it involves movement. <laughs> but it's like, it's like before they even like lock up, before they do anything, Bobby just Skyrim glitches straight out of the ring. Like, He's been hit by a giant. <laughs> yeah, off he goes. Like, you know when Roman Reigns does that big graceful swan dive over the top rope? Yes. The Undertaker used to do it as well. Thing of beauty. Yeah. Unbelievable. 
Bobby has this incredible leap in him. Oh yeah, he's got big power. Because I showed you when he did the leap through the cage onto Umaga, the yeah. building. That's an amazing moment. He tries to do a similar thing where he kind of like goes to his side and kind of like cartwheels it's a bit. A, yeah, like a cartwheel. But he doesn't use his hands. It's well, just he, from the legs. He used one hand. It's like a one-handed cartwheel using the ropes instead of the floor. And His foot uh, is like a fishing hook that just goes... And it catches onto that ring or apron and that rope. And my God, he just stops short all the momentum and right onto the ground. scary. Can you imagine being like front row for that? Like him curtailing towards you? I mean, you know, if you saw that from up in the stands, it would have been like, you know, we did the Shawn Michaels episode I told you about Seal Undertaker, you know, diving off the side and landing head first straight Mm -hmm. down. You'd... And the crowd, like, they're kind of, you know, they're like, all right, we're going to see Vince McMahon get beat up by Bobby Lashley. And they're like, oh, we've seen Bobby Lashley, like, die in the ring. Like, that's yeah. what it felt like quite quickly in this. And they have no choice because they're buying time but to show, like, four or five replays of it. And the announcer's like, look at the, the uh, determination of Bobby. <laughs> he must really want to get in there, Joey Styles. The crowd just dies a death. And yeah. I, f- I feel bad mm-hmm. for, like, us picking this match. But also... I think people take the development of Bobby and how his skills have increased over the years and they take that for granted. Oh, I disagree. I mean, okay, I'm speaking from our little bubble about how to wrestling because, uh, you know, spoilers for the tweets coming up later. Most people find that the reason they love Bobby Lashley is because he's come so far in yeah. his journey. But I think you're right in the mainstream wrestling community. I, if you're a top guy, it doesn't really matter if you've developed your skills because yeah. you're a top guy. Yeah, it's you expected know? of you. It's taken for granted. But I'm glad we've got a Bobby Lashley who's more sure of himself than this lad who's clearly been told, like, go jump off the top rope. Mm. Go dab over the top. Like that's Bobby wasn't like, hey, I got a great idea, Vince. I think the first move of the match, I should like do a really risky dive. Yeah. I'm sixty five percent sure I'm gonna do it, man. I'm really I'm really I'm really hyped up for it. Yeah. I have to do it actually or I'll leave. And the saddest thing about this is that because Bobby's taking the spill over the top rope, it means we get around seven to ten minutes of Vince McMahon, age sixty something, on offense, mm. wearing a jumper. Yeah. And they'll like they'll throw Bobby into Vince and Vince will go like and like try and move his foot as high as he can, which is like up to Bobby's shin. Awful. And then Bobby has to sell. Oh my god. Vince lets out some grunts in this one as well, I'll tell you that. Like, oh yeah, a you lot know. of grunts. He's uh when he does those clotheslines, he's like he, he nearly rips his own arm off trying mm-hmm. to hit Bobby Lashley there. I was hoping with this match that it would be kind of like Vader energy, where it was gonna be kind of really hard hitting and a Slap little bit dash kind of bam bam bam. Kind of like clumsy yeah. in a reckless way where I was kind of like, oh maybe young Bobby Lashley doesn't have full control over his body yet. Maybe he could hurt Vince. Joe, somewhere. you've been watching too much Spring Stampede nineteen ninety four over there. But I, I just think. know that Vince he <laughs> that's his style that he really thrives in, is those situations, those matches where he gets the shit shit yes. beaten out of him and that's he, what you expect here he likes it okay when I'm saying this stuff about like oh I hope Vince gets destroyed it's because he likes it okay? of course he, he does he literally does he wants this but there wasn't as much of that as I hoped it was much more Vince on the offensive and I don't want to see my little boy Bobby getting owned by this old billionaire and I'm not sure if it's the idea that we can't let Bobby just come in and squash him because Vince probably can't be taken 
the power slams and the dominator and the spear and this, that and the other, oh, all the big I heavy hitting he moves. Could. The spear, I think he could. Or is it, do they not have faith in Bobby to do that safely to him? Because it's a very weird, like Bobby spends most of the match being choked out by Vince and stuff like that. And it's very weird and uncomfortable, especially with the commentary, because they keep reiterating how it's legal. They're like, Vince McMahon now strangling Bobby Lashley, which is, of course, perfectly legal. Like, I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> it's, it's a wrestling legal, announcer a wrestling thing. Match. Yeah, yeah. But strangling someone is not legal, actually. It's a, it is a criminal act. It's against the law. Not in a wrestling ring, Joe. It's perfectly <laughs> legal. Which means I can murder people in the ring if I want to because it's perfectly legal. There's nothing you can do. They kept saying it. Yeah, um, this was, again... Felt like kind of an idea by committee how to get Bobby over here. Yeah. We'll say these things on commentary. We'll build this up. But I feel like whatever momentum Bobby had at this point, it's kind of, it's going and it's mm. it's on the wane. And it's amazing to see that you can be the chosen guy from Vince and be given the special feud and all that and it not work out in your favor. Yeah. He'd probably be better off wrestling anyone else other than Vince McMahon at this point in time or being allowed to be the dominator and just crush Vince Vince I feel it's a big weakness of his he he, he, it's weird because sometimes he'll be fine with it and he'll allow himself to get destroyed and then other times it's like he's just like no I don't want to be destroyed I don't want to be the destroyer and it's like no you're best when everyone's beating the shit out of you so instead we have to have Bobby be the kind of like the one man army here because he gets you know gets worked over for ages and ages yeah, like we even get no one wants to see that oh you want to see Vince McMahon spear Bobby Lashley no. it happened and <laughs> let me tell you I've placed down heavy bags of shopping with more force yeah. than Vince McMahon gingerly placed Bob I mean where's the Vince McMahon who wants to take down contests yeah. on an airplane with Kurt Angle I, know, I thought right? he'd want to have a go on the big know, wrestler the right big boy. Everyone's being too safe and careful here. It's really strange. Yeah, I don't get it. Maybe because of the thing Bobby did at the start. Everyone's like, that's their it. Heart yeah, rates are elevated. They're like, okay, let's just let's just let's get, just get through, through it. it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Bobby does get the chair. Then you know, he lays out Shane. You know, we have that kind of an accidental splash by Umaga. So he has both guys laid out here. He gets the chair. And it's like, right, it's two thousand and seven. Time for a big brain scrambling, soon to be banned chair shot to the head. And he gives them the little. You know, I'm sorry, boss. Yeah. Hope it didn't get you too hard. You know, the, the respectful little chair shot. I mean, you say that. Well, it's, it's when he gets wailing on him. When oh, Vince right, has the yeah. protective jumper now, yeah. and then he starts really wailing on him there. And to be fair, he's does, he doesn't do it. When he goes real hard, he's not doing it on his head. He's doing it on his body. But he yeah. fucking, he goes hard with that chair. The chair is bent and broken by the end. And I love to see it. So Vince gets speared in the end. A very, again, a little, <laughs> he falls down like a pile of books. Which is fun. I, yeah. think a, I think a spear is a good move to do like that because it can still look really good even if the recipient takes it weak. Yeah. Because you can just go to a knee. But I just feel, you know, you compare, I know it's the, he's no Shawn Michaels, Bobby. He's a different performer. Yeah. But I, that's what you'd want to see. Obviously not the match that you may have hoped it was when you saw the graphic of Vince McMahon wearing a fedora and Bobby Lashley. But I think it was probably notable and important because it's like you couldn't have picked a bigger match for him to have had at that moment in time, I guess. Mm, I guess. So what was your, your rating or your review for... Uh, how many stars were you given for Bobby and Vince in the physical street fight? I'm giving it a very generous two and a half stars. Mm. And one star for the Skyrim glitch at the start. <laughs> and one and a half stars for seeing Vince McMahon get demolished by a chair. I was going to say one and a half stars for him, like, you know, actually be able to do the match after that as well you know <laughs> but yeah that's fair enough I think that's, it's a fair rating than I would have given it I think yeah, you I know think fairer than most to be honest I just felt kind of sorry for Bobby at the end of that yeah me too you know because this has been going on for like 
This is like a five, six month feud, basically. This is the end of it. Oh my god. That's how it ends. And Bobby finally wins back his ECW championship. After all of that work, he finally wins back the ECW championship. And literally the next night on Raw, he vacates the ECW championship and is drafted to Raw to be part of that brand. And the first thing to do with him is Bobby, it's going to be you and John Cena for the WWE championship. No more beating around the bush. We're pulling the trigger. Let's go. Okay. And they had a you know decent enough main event match. It was the Great American Bash. And Bobby got injured in the match. And then he was released. Oh. Gone. Released. Released. Ouch. Pretty shocking. Yeah. Like, you spend all this time, like, literally the entire time he's on the main roster, it's like grooming for success, getting you ready, getting you ready and all that. Yeah. So... It's weird to put all that investment behind someone and then release them. I mean, he did have a, a shoulder injury, I think he had, you know, pretty bad shoulder injury. He would have been out for like seven or eight months or whatever. So they released him, though, rather than him asking for his release. Well, in terms of... Bobby's departure, this is where it gets a little bit strange. So I've got a statement here from from Bobby Lashley. This would have been, you know, uh, January, I believe, 2008, when he would have been finally officially released. Now, the release was requested eventually, but it's kind of a bit shady because we're talking again about, going back to the the allegations about Michael Hayes and things like that. So I don't think we're going to get a firm answer on this. But here's what he said in his statement when he was finally released from the company. I can't go into details of this right now, but like I said before, sometimes people will hate you personally and they will try to destroy you, which is what has happened here. Evil has prevailed. Oh, no. However, like I said, if you continue your struggle, doors will open around these people. So... I can't believe he said evil has prevailed. Apparently that's in relation to, like, an employee who he had a massive issue with. And that employee was allegedly Michael Hayes. Okay. The other X factor into this as well to consider was his then girlfriend and partner, Crystal Marshall, mm-hmm. who I do believe came up in a previous episode. We're talking about Edge. Oh, right, yes. This is with the uh, general manager. Vicky Guerrero, yeah. romantic storyline. So the idea was that Crystal Marshall was in a kayfabe storyline with uh, Teddy Long, who was the general manager of SmackDown. To kind of put this in perspective, Teddy Long was a former referee, older dude. Short, bald, black guy with glasses, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like fun-loving, wise-talking, nice, baby-faced general manager of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Crystal Marshall, her gimmick was that she was with the Diva Search contestants, and she came in like third or fourth, and she was like super jealous of the winner, and she was like very vengeful, and one of Kevin's absolute faves in 2005 and Any gimmick with the Divas that makes me roll my eyes, Kevin's like, and I loved it. <laughs> but, um... The idea then was that she fell in love with Teddy Long, right? And then everyone at start was like, oh, obviously she's like a, this gold digger man-eater. She just wants this old man so she can have power. But then the storyline turned into, no, actually, Crystal's turned over a new leaf and they're a really sweet couple together. Despite their incredibly large age gap, love is blossoming between these two sweethearts. Okay. There's been various stories over the years that Crystal didn't like the idea of the storyline then be turned out to be, ah, actually, no, she is this man-eater gold digger yeah. and Teddy Long's had a heart attack because she's too hot and now she's going to run Smackdown oh with and, and with Edge and the idea is then it's like, oh, this Bonnie and Clyde, like, you know, my sexy general manager, man-eater, gold digger wife or whatever it is. Uh-huh. So she said she didn't want to do that. She didn't like the idea of this relationship storyline mm-hmm. going in the first place. She didn't like the idea of doing the thing with Edge. And then Edge and Vicky Guerrero were like, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll flip that age gap on its head. Now, Teddy Long said in an interview 
that Crystal and Bobby had problems with this storyline that they were doing. Wait, Bobby did? Or Crystal did? Or both? Depend- I think that's different. Depended on who you ask. But okay. A, you know, but... A, what did they say? Bobby and Crystal, what did they? They didn't say anything about it. Oh. It's, it's Teddy Long. I think MVP talked about it once. And like Booker T talked about it once. So a few people. Okay, well, what did MVP say? He said that Crystal had a problem with it. Okay. And the story that Teddy Long told was that apparently Crystal Marshall was uh because they were on separate brands she was on smackdown and bobby was on raw mm-hmm. she'd keep like going to the raw tapings and stuff like that just hang out with bobby and teddy long's like she's ruining the gimmick everyone's gonna think that she's not married to me an older <laughs> man but apparently her release from the company as a result of that her not wanting to play ball and do that storyline so sorry so she didn't want to do it and then they fired her yeah Wow. And then, again, God, we've, that's we've, unfair. we've had a few instances of this over the years of wrestlers being like, well, fuck you. If you're going to fire my partner, I'm going as well. Yeah. Now, was it Michael Hayes through Crystal affecting Bobby that led to him say, fuck it, I'm leaving? We literally will never know. But it could be a case of Bobby being an extremely loyal partner and being like, I don't want to work for a company that yeah. treats its employees like this. And he wouldn't be the first guy to do that in wrestling. And that could Aww. be it as well. Either way. It makes me like him even more. He's the one who eventually said, give me the release, you wow. know. And, and the terms of it, though, was, we'll give you a release. You can go wherever you want to, but you're not allowed to say anything negative about the company. Right. So that was why we got no information about this. I see. What, WWE using an NDA? What? Uh, In this day and age? Mm. Back then as well? That's really interesting, though, that they needed an NDA. That makes me think that the Michael Hayes stuff was true. I mean... I'm not saying officially, oh, there's an undisclosure agreement. I'm just saying that if, if the if agreement is contract, you're though, not yeah. saying anything bad about the company, I read that in modern yeah. terms. That's what that means. But yeah, I don't think Bobby Lashley's the type of guy who'd use the term evil lightly. I know, but then also Michael Hayes really deserves... There's not many people in the world I would call evil, and yeah. Michael Hayes is one of them. Bobby, though, was more than happy to spread his wings and go elsewhere because mm. he had a lot of people wanting to, you know, have him over there. He wrestled for Antonio Inoki's Genome Wrestling Federation yeah. over in uh, Japan, which was like a mix of shoot fighting yeah. and wrestling. Perfect for him. And that's then again is him thinking, well, maybe I'm going to go and I'm going to do MMA because that's kind of what I want to do. Right. And in 2008, so hang on. MMA is getting very, very hot. How come he can do MMA after he wasn't able to do amateur wrestling? Well, I think over this time, he's, which he, is healed. he's healed up, I you see. know. And so he starts training, he starts making calls around, and Bobby Lashley's going to get involved into the world of MMA. Now, if you're someone who might be potentially sensitive to people who don't really know what they're talking about with regards to MMA, talk about some (laughs) MMA that they've just watched, I'd say skip ahead maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Or alternatively, DM me at 2 in the morning. (laughs) Drunk. (laughs) So we watched some of Bobby's MMA career. And one of the reasons we decided to watch Bobby's MMA career is that when we looked up his win-loss record, it's like, whoa, he's like 15-2. and two. Yeah. And most of his matches are less than 50 seconds long. Yeah, he's got a better win-loss record than Brock Lesnar. He does. Which yeah. is really saying something. Now, he never made it to the UFC itself. Mm. And he has tra- he owned gyms with people who were in the UFC and he trained with them and sparred with them and stuff. Is the UFC, like, is that kind of the equivalent of the WWE in the world of MMA? Like, in, is it in that kind it's of the, the big yeah, it's um, pinnacle. expense the billion dollar yeah. company you want to make the seven figures you right. want the big 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 endorsements that's where you do it doesn't necessarily mean you're a better wrestler no because I mean CM Punk for instance had no background in MMA whatsoever and he was in the UFC ah. you know whereas Bobby you know yeah. he had built up but the thing with Bobby as well at this point is you have Lesnar sniffing around in MMA he's in you know going to the UFC doing stuff for the ultimate fighter at the same time as well you know around this period we're talking about from like 
2009 and 10 up to like 2016 I think is when his last official match was in MMA you know there's a period of time where like Batista is like right I'm gonna do MMA oh no even though I'm like you know 47 years old so there was a lot of like bad I don't say bad blood but there was like a negative stereotype around wrestlers at the time being like, oh, right, you think you can come in here and do our real proper man sport? There was still, I don't know about any more, but there was definitely still a lot of that back when we started this podcast. Oh, yeah. Because there were friends of mine who would like make fun of lots of wrestlers being like, oh, yeah, they think they think MMA is easy and like they, they don't know what they're in for. This is next level. This I mean, is... That, that is the case for and a lot of wrestlers. True. It's yeah. absolutely true. But I also think it's really snooty to say that about someone like Bobby Lashley, who yeah. has a history of amateur wrestling on road for the Olympics. Well, that's it. I mean, people like Batista and CM Punk, who maybe would have been enthusiasts and got mm. into it later in life. And I think with Batista, the benefit of him was that it was on a much smaller stage and he kind of had a similar experience where like, I went, I tried it and it wasn't for me, but yeah. I'm so glad that I did it. Yeah. But it's not like people beat Batista over the head and say, you ruined your life by doing this. Mm. Bobby, it felt like he's actually like, if you even put the WWE stuff to one side and the publicity that'll get you, he is a legitimate, oh, yeah. you know. He's amazing. He's got a lot of tenure here. He's you know. so good. I fucking hate MMA. It's really weird. I love amateur wrestling. I hate MMA. We watched, uh, fa- I think we watched like five or six of his matches in yeah. total. You and know? I just hate it because it's like, it's like a boring wrestling match where it like, looks like nothing's happening and then immediately someone's like unconscious or split open. It's <laughs> yeah. like all the worst parts of professional wrestling. So the first, together. yeah, the first match he won on TKO because the guy was bleeding too much and literally like we were watching and all of a sudden the referee He's like, no, 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 no. And then he brings him over and the doctor goes, yeah, Bobby's won. And Bobby's like, yay. So yeah, you are not feeling that. And then there's another one where like the guy, you know, he, he got him with a guillotine choke. Yeah. But the guy like, literally like, you know, he tapped out so quickly. Yeah. And you know, in wrestling, you're used to like, the, oh, fighting. Yeah, through. sell it. We just watched, you know, we just watched and reviewed MJF versus Brian Danielson and Iron Man. Man. Yeah. So we're, we're expecting a bit more like kind of a, the drama. And the guy's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to die actually. Type of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so a lot of Bobby's matches were, were fairly like decisive and dominant, let's just say. Yeah. To the point where a lay person such as ourselves maybe couldn't see, you know, that skill other than the fact that, whoa, he finished that match exceedingly yeah, quickly. and the fact that he wins pretty much all of them. The one match we watched where he didn't win was pretty dang traumatizing in its own right. Mm. And hey, if you want to learn about how real the world of MMA is, watch a preferred wrestler go in and knock people out very easy for a couple of matches, then watch him have a bad night at the office, let's mm. just say. Because Bobby got cut open in one of the matches we watched. Yeah. And it was I guess, the only only guy he actually lost to in decision. And he got cut early on. And sweet Jesus. You thought AEW had a lot of blood in it. You want to complain about that online? Fuck me. There was a lot of blood in Bobby Lashley's MMA fight. The thing I didn't foresee happening in terms of my reaction to this was in, in wrestling, you're so used to people blading. And it's such a because you have so much control over where you do it, over what you use, that it's mm. this neat little cut where you can barely actually see the cut itself. Yeah. You just see blood. Yeah. And they're often the cuts are tiny. Whereas here, he's split open and it's like, it's it's several layers of muscle, fat and tissue. That by like his eye, right? Open. Yeah, it's right. You've got a vein right there. That's a scar that he seems to have developed over the years. Yeah. And I thought, is it like, oh, it's like old Mick Foley, like where it's like, right over here, hit me, you get the juice, yeah, brother. That's definitely it. And it feels like he, that's like a soft target for him because in a lot of those MMA fights afterwards, you can see him being like taped up severely mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And yeah, he paints the mat in his blood it's so scary i mean but like i cannot emphasize that wound 
I've never seen a wound like that in my whole time of watching wrestling. Never. It's it's fucking gruesome. It's like a stab wound. I think we'll never be able to kind of maybe appreciate MMA in a way that like someone who has a lengthy tenure and an appreciation and a knowledge in the background of MMA. Yeah. You know, we'll never be able to do that. We're we're absolute tourists here just coming in looking at our boy doing something else. Yeah. I don't I don't think I regret showing you the stuff when you, when we saw this kind of bloody outcome. Oh, no, I'm really glad I, I was, saw it. I was quite worried. I was like, oh shit, this is like, you've seen your nice frog man here, mm. sweet boy, and he's been like split open ear to ear. And what I found out afterwards, that match where he lost against that dude, uh, Chad Griggs, I think his name was, Bobby actually had mono during that match. What? Which is why he had such a, a hard time no kind of getting himself going oh, there, really. Oh my God. The fact that he even tried is amazing. Yeah, so that's you know, pretty severe. Oh, no. A pretty severe way to try to do a, oh, no. a MMA contest. But Christ. if you want to like have a head rush, go back and watch some like kind of early 2010s MMA with Bobby Lashley. Because we're sitting there watching these brawls where he's just knocking dudes out or getting these quick wins. And I'm like, who's that on commentary? Because there was one line here when Bobby was split open ear to ear. And you hear someone go... Now we see some blood, real blood for the first time. My God, you want to see the plasma? You don't have to wait for the new season of Dexter debuting on AMC. Wait a second. It's Mauro Ranallo. Yay. (laughs) Mauro time travel to give us strained pop culture references in a Bobby Lashley encounter. And a lot of comments, I don't know if it was from Mauro or the other guy. No, it was definitely not Mauro. But a lot of comments about how wrestling is fake. (laughs) I mean, like, and for girls, basically, like, welcome to the big leagues. It was, yeah, it was kind of shocking because we'd seen MMA previously when we did Ken Shamrock's episodes. Yeah. But the difference was Ken Shamrock was like a foundational legend in MMA and UFC. Then he went and he did his wrestling thing. Then he came back. Yeah. So no one was really chittering at him. Yeah. But like, I know, I know I watch wrestling and I know that I'm sitting there, you know, with you know, with a cup of coffee and be like, ha ha, look at that. And there's somebody you know, diving off a ladder doing some crazy physically demanding spot that will mm-hmm. impact on them for years to come, etc. So I don't mean to kind of say that I haven't got the capacity to be flippant. I am all the time. But that's a show. And it's a an agreed upon performance and stunts and whatnot. Yeah. I don't know how you could be in good conscience an MMA announcer and just sit there like laughing essentially at a guy being like and like this one where Bobby's like split open and he's fucking painted himself in blood and the guy's like oh yeah and guess what Bobby that's real blood and like what you're used to like that's so callous and also so factually wrong so uneducated so ignorant and it just reminds me exactly of like all those people who loved MMA and hated wrestling who like just just didn't didn't bother to do the research. Like if you're going to say this stuff, fine, do the research because you're right. It is different and it is more extreme. But then don't go around saying that the blood in wrestling is fake. Yeah, and like you're a strike force or Bellator, I'm assuming like those are like, you know, those are big organizations in their day. Yeah. You know, number 2, number 3 are thereabouts. And you've announcers who are like should know at least a bit, because Brock yeah. Lesnar at this time is like one of the top stars in MMA in the world. And they're like, well, this guy Bobby Lashley, he's just used to play fighting. and So rude. Or like he's put in a chokehold and he's like, yeah, guess what, Bobby? This isn't acting. And then like he reverses the guy and chokes him out. I'm like, yeah, he's it's MMA. And he's yeah. re- Look at his record. He's really good <laughs> at it. Like, What more does he have to do to prove himself to you fools? Obviously, you know what? CM Punk did a great service to the Bobby Lashies of the world yeah. because like right if you want to have a fucking straw dog to destroy yeah, a wrestler do it to him right yeah. grand but like I just felt like for Bobby and afterwards 
Like, he's cool as a cucumber. And this is where this confidence comes in, which I wish we saw in that original mm. WWE run, where afterwards they're like, hey, Bobby, you know, how's it going? He's like, wow, man, what a great match I just had. I can't believe I choked the guy out in 10 seconds. Hey, I got a big pay-per-view coming up for Impact Wrestling. Uh, me and Eddie Edwards for the title. Make sure you check it out. Like, he's promoting the brands. So good. And I yeah, love we, it. Say, we say he's not much of a talker, but you know what? He gets his point across yeah. and he, he says it eloquently. And I'll tell you, the most wrestling moment of our MMA odyssey was Jimmy Smith interviewing Bobby Lashley. Jimmy Smith, who was the announcer on Raw last year, interviewing Bobby Lashley and him mentioning Jerry the King Lawler, who's in the front row, being like, Inside. Hi, Bobby! <laughs> I got free tickets! <laughs> I'm going to choke out that guy that said wrestling blood is fake! <laughs> so, pile driver! <laughs> so, like, the MMA odyssey, I'm glad we took it. Yeah. Because it shows to me that, like, being legitimate... It almost means fuck all, because like wrestling, at least then, was like this brush you were painted with, mm-hmm. and it was an obstacle for him to overcome. And I think he became a better person because of it. Yeah, I think it definitely gives you a thicker skin. And I think he was fortunate as well as that. You know, in this time away when he was developing the skill set and he was establishing himself in this world, that's when we saw that very slow shift where wrestling was like, "Hey, we can mention MMA," mm. or Undertaker's like, "Me and Shane McMahon are going to have an MMA fight at WrestleMania." You know, it's when wrestling started like noticing and like this yeah. wasn't something to be hiding away from this was something that oh you know making yourself a legitimate champion in mma that's going to add a couple of zeros to your paycheck when you yeah. return wherever you want to in terms of where bobby was at with the wrestling at the time i know we're jumping around a bit here because this was kind of a, a middle period for him he did have like a nine month run in tna around 2009 when he first uh, left wwe and he was one of those victims of it was when TNA had signed a lot of people, a lot of XWB people, and they brought in Hogan and Bischoff. And it was kind of basically too many too many wrestlers on the roster, and they had to start cutting people at some point, basically. Mm-hmm. They did a storyline where Bobby was literally like, I'm not happy in TNA, and I want my release. And Eric Bischoff's like, well, that's just not going to happen, Bobby, I'm afraid. I like the old Eric Bischoff impression. is always very flirty. Oh, he is. He's very flirty. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But then they did a part where, like, literally the week before he actually left, he's like, you know what, Eric? I don't want to leave anymore. I want to stay here in TNA. And then Eric goes, well, actually, you're fired. Wow. And do you want to know why he was fired from TNA? Why? Apparently it was because of Crystal Marshall again. What? So hang on. So was he fired or... Oh, he it, was, yeah. Was it like he asked for his release? No, no, they fired him this time. They they're like, fired him. They're like, yeah, you're, you're, you're released. You're let go. That seems like... Um like a lawsuit waiting to happen to fire someone for the actions of their partner that's not very fair is it what well, exactly did what happened apparently and this is from eric bischoff's podcast so take it with a pinch of salt and a buffalo bill while cody beer <laughs> but um according to him she wanted to kind of like run everything for bobby creative outcomes of matches all that wanted to be run like kind of through her okay. like, you know that we mentioned Sabu's episode how his, his wife or his partner very often would be kind of like hey mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take the stuff funny isn't it because that's obviously never happened in WCW ever yeah I know right hmm, mm. like looking right into the camera right now <laughs> so apparently people didn't like that okay. and she was difficult to work with in inverted commas uh, we all know what that means what it basically means was you're a company that were running way overboard in terms of your costs and you weren't yeah. making enough money so any, any excuse to basically say oh this person doesn't play ball we have to get rid of the six-figure contract so that was it basically you know right i still don't really understand why that would affect bobby 
because Bobby cost them a lot of money. They weren't doing much with them. How and what they were trying to do with them, they thought there was pushback from the wife from Creative. So off you go, I guess. Okay. It's the kind of thing which you kind of can cover your old tracks for maybe yeah. making a bad decision in the first place by saying it's someone else's fault. But Crystal Marshall has become something of like a a strange enigma here because she's been pretty quiet. Like she's maybe done a few interviews here or there since then, but she's been pretty quiet about the whole thing because I think you know they were together for a while. Mm. I think. They actually have two kids together, as far yeah, as yeah. I know. So, as far as I know, they are friends to this day mm. and all that. But Bobby seems like the type to stay friends with exes. Yeah, and Crystal Marshall seems like the type of person where male wrestling personalities can find it easier to blame her than the guy they might have to deal with in the wrestling business at some point or another. So, she just... gets thrown under the bus more often than not. And I can just imagine as well, Bobby Lashley doesn't seem to be a very assertive person. Like, I can imagine, because mm. he's very nice, and I can imagine he could have easily come across as a bit of a pushover. Yeah, And I sure. think if you are in a romantic relationship with someone like that, you can get quite protective of them. Yeah. And you want to kind of stand up for them on their behalf. And I'm not saying I know that's what happened here, but it's certainly what it sounds like to me. Like, maybe she was kind of standing up for him on his behalf in terms of booking decisions, and then, you know, Eric Bischoff's like, I don't like that. And I mean, a woman. It, was, it was what was best for him, because, yeah. like, honestly, what was better for Bobby Lashley in the long run? To be, like, one of 20 ex-WWE guys in TNA when the company was going through a bit of a... What's the opposite of a renaissance? <laughs> Slump? Yeah, you have Hogan and Bischoff coming in and for lack of a better term, changing the company over what made it special or what made it unique in a lot of people's minds. And it was him leaving here at this point in time that got him into that MMA track. So I think that served him best in the long mm. run. And he had a long, long time in MMA, you know, and it was around, I think, 2013 or 14 when it was like, you know, he'd pretty much sworn off wrestling at a point. He was like, oh no, I can't do both full time. You know, I can only... I can only do one or the other. I think the idea originally in when he was first run TNA was that maybe I could do a bit of both. Mm. I could do my MMA and I could do, you know, wrestling at the same time. Yeah. And I actually read a couple of interviews with him about how hard that was to do. It is impossible because you're training camp all the time. Yeah, and he said know? as well, it's very different, the things you train. Like, he, he's one of those people that because he loves to exercise for fun, he he tends to be in perfect physical condition no matter what like he's always training ready like ready for an mma fight ready for a wrestling match doesn't matter he's he's ready for it physically mm. but he said the difficulty was with doing them both was that you have to train so differently for each one yes it's just such a different way of exercising and eating and everything you have to think about is just like they're kind of separate i do think it's amazing though when like you look at the career he has and it's like kind of, you know, 2010, 11 time. It's like, look, I can't do this. It's simply too hard. Yeah. You cut forward a couple of years to 2014 and all of a sudden he gets signed to TNA and he gets signed to Strike Force, which was like the number two at the time. And it's like, you know what? I think I can do both. Yeah. And he said he wanted to be a champion in both. And he was, he was a champion in both. That's amazing. At the same time. Wow. He did what Brock Lesnar alluded to for heel heat yeah. all those years, you legit, know? Legit, legit. I love him. I, I think it's it's amazing like yeah and also as well like hey if you're someone who thinks that oh I'm X years old I can't do this thing that I couldn't do when I was younger mm. and there's Bobby Lashley disproven it all oh, like, yeah. you know I fantastic mean, if there's one message Bobby Lashley wants probably anyone to take away from this episode it would be that so he excels in both wrestling and in MMA at the same time which is amazing and <laughs> Joe's doing some research for this episode yes and we were delighted to find out that Bobby Lashley, as well as being 
an all-rounder in both the worlds of mixed martial arts and sports entertainment, he was busying away in the world of multimedia and Mm -hmm. he's got a lot of outside endeavours, which I'm always very intrigued to find out about, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. So this is what, what kind of time period is this, 2007? Well, we're we're covering from, if we're covering the period of his whole MMA career, it would be like kind of 2008 to around 2017, I guess, right. in total. So we're around a 10-year period there or thereabouts. So basically, Bobby is a very clever guy, I think. I think he's really smart. And he was looking at the changing world of the internet and looking at his own changing career and realising that he was coming from a very high-profile company of the WWE and to a slightly less high-profile, but where he's got a big bigger role like yeah. he's a bigger fish in a, a smaller small pond, pond. Yeah. and i think he realized it was kind of on him to promote himself more effectively he has said a few times in interviews that he sucks at social media i just don't he like does. it i'm no good at it i'm he sorry says that all the time bless him <laughs> and um yeah well yeah <laughs> so that's an ominous look to the side she gave me <laughs> no it's nothing bad and i want to say as well for this month's youtube review tube <laughs> we need to settle on a name. <laughs> Wrestler Review Tube, I think, is the yeah. uh, is the official term. Okay, well, we're going to look at Bobby Lashley's YouTube channel, which he's been doing for about ten years, yep. maybe longer. It won't <laughs> be what you expect. He has like three videos. Oh, on there. Uh, you got to listen to the episode to find out what they are. You'll also get access to our Ryback YouTube review and mm-hmm. our new Totally Divas series. Absolutely. So all that there on the Patreon.com/slash to Wrestling. But prior to his YouTube channel. He actually launched something that he called the Lashley Network. The Lashley Network? So this is like, you know, Shane McMahon at one point, he had the great idea. He was like, I think WWE should be like a multimedia experience with like streaming platforms. Yeah, that would have been 07 type of time. Yeah, he wanted to do like ECW as a streaming show, I think we mentioned back in the day. Yeah, Similar time. The internet was going through a similar shift. For young people who don't know, that's a very it's, interesting time for the internet. I was going to say for young people, a shift is like a pivot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love to be condescending online. <laughs> Bobby Lashley, he, I think he hired a um, like a marketing company, like a PR company type thing. And they were like, okay, what we're going to do is we want to promote your personal brand. Because you're doing so many different things. We can think of you as like, you're not just a person, you are, you're a brand. Yeah, athlete's brand. And we've athlete's seen that with brand, yeah. Kurt Angle, mm-hmm. <laughs> drive back like nine times this yeah. episode. But like, uh, there's a lot of scope for wrestlers to do that and they have done so quite successfully they have. yeah less so back in the day i think mm. you probably know better than i do. oh yeah no i mean if you're telling me this is 07 this is like well ahead of the like yeah. this is so far ahead of the curb it would be considered a bad idea <laughs> right and that's what we're gonna get to oh my god so what is the lashley network am i given 9.99 a month to get blogs from bobby or what's going on it seemed to be free okay so mistake number one it was free and mistake number two i missed the boat <laughs> Yes. So, um, sorry, this was actually in 2009. 2009, he launched the Lashley Network to promote his personal brand outside of pro wrestling. Mm. So this is more to do with his MMA stuff. And it was basically a portal, is what he called it, for Bobby's network of websites and businesses. And he actually ended up with quite a few businesses at this time okay so is this like dunder mifflin infinity but for bobby lashley yes, essentially literally that yeah this is the great time where people who are working in digital media were like everything should be a social media site yeah. it should not yeah absolutely. <laughs> but this is like before like this is way before social media had a name like it wasn't yeah. even called social media in 2000 like 2009 maybe just about yeah. you know but this is like new 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 
And so he had his personal website, which was bobbylashley.net. And he had like a kind of WordPress blog there where he gives like techniques and tips about like training. Eating and and such. Like really unspecific advice, it seems. Because he doesn't really follow diets or workout regimes. So it would be more kind of motivational life coaching type thing. Like believe in yourself. Keep eating when you're hungry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And that's where you would go to get like news on his MMA career as well. Like if you wanted to find out like any matches he was in or what the results of those matches were you could go to his personal site he also had a nutrition store lashley nutrition which i will talk more about in a bit he had a smoothie business whoa which is my personal favorite the idea of bobby lashley smoothies wow so good i like that he owned a series of gyms i think he said he owned a cereal I was like, what <laughs> and he also owned his own social networking site fightbobby.com and fightbobby.com was a social networking site for fans to connect with each other and chat with Bobby. So, like, the idea is you could log on. He he literally says... So, is Bobby got like, his own, like, OnlyFans, basically, before it was a thing? Pretty much, yeah. Wow! So, he said, think of it as a MySpace for me and my fans. <laughs> oh, my God! And the idea is you could literally message him about anything. And you could also talk to other Bobby Lashley fans. And it was this lovely little community. Meet Bobby Lashley fans in your area. Yeah! And um, it's really, really nice. Now I'm, I'm assuming, Joe, yeah. I'm assuming it didn't last. Right, so that's the thing, okay? I, I did look into this. I tried to see if any of it still is, exists. It's really hard to find. Most of the stuff that's still out there is the pr- official press releases that right, the yeah, yeah. marketing agency who he hired released on his behalf. So it does have a couple of links to websites and stuff. Most of them are dead. Fightbobby.com is dead. Oh. And bobbylashley.net is still live, but it's now just like one blog post on a WordPress site. And the smoothie business, sadly, is no more. No! And, uh, yeah, Fight Let's Bobby... Let's go to Devon Dudley's smoothie shop like a fucking freak! Fight Bobby, the MySpace for Bobby fans, is also no more. But there was <sighs> still one link that remained active... No. And that was Lashley Nutrition. Okay. Which I was immediately intrigued by because, I mean, I, I am intrigued because Bobby Lashley, as we said, he's an intuitive eater and he has a very healthy relationship to food. So I'm actually, out of all the wrestlers in the world, that's the one I'd be most interested in subscribing to if I was going to do that. And also, if Lashley Nutrition was still kicking about, you would have sworn he'd have mentioned it by now in one of the many interviews or yeah. you would have worn a shirt with it on or yeah. put it on his tights or but something. I thought, you know, maybe he's just really private about that stuff. Who knows? Although it's weird to do that when you're a promotional Yeah, I would say brand. you're only really private about the thing you're trying to sell. Yeah. <laughs> and it seems that Lashley Nutrition also has a series of gyms. Now, I was confused by that because the links to all his gyms that I could find were dead, but this Lashley Gym network was still existing. So I looked into it more. I looked on their Instagram and their websites and stuff. No pictures pictures of bobby on this i'm assuming no pictures of bobby it's a bit shady shady yeah it's a kind of okay so i'm only going to talk about this now because i do think it's relevant to point out that i don't think this is anything to do with bobby lashley which is the only reason i'm going to mention it because in case anyone out there stumbles across this lashley nutrition brand and think oh i wonder if this is bobby lashley you know because it links to his pr press release so you think this is something that is maybe I... a dormant thing that was purchased by someone yeah, or so my I, I reckon is he sold the the brand name of the Lashley Network to this family who have the last name Lashley. There's the Lashley family. Right. And they're all like health and fitness stuff and stuff like that. But okay. one of them, the owner, isn't called Lashley. He's a business broker. I think he purchased the brand name for this family. Yeah. Because they're, you know, successful gym owners and stuff. And they've turned Lashley Nutrition into... Oh, God, I don't like that face. Uh... 
Well, it's tied to um, something called the Lashley Training Centre, which offers elite preparedness protection programs. Elite preparedness protection programs, eh? Yes. What, so... against like, what, zombie outbreaks? What, that, that sounds very fucking shady. Yeah, kind of, but American. So they basically offer training courses. Um, like, what can I learn at the Lashley Training Centre, Joe? Uh, like how to protect your home from intruders. Oh. How to shoot a gun inside a vehicle. Oh. Uh, armed church development programs. Sorry, armed church development programs. Um, SWAT techniques, shotgun defender courses, secret service pistol qualification courses, and the frightening one for me, state approved training for armed school staff. Okay, so that's not... Or Bobby not, Lashley, not Bobby then. Bobby Lashley. They're catchphrase what they say they offer is preparing communities workplaces and individuals and families for any event that may occur in the climate of today's modern america wow that's fucking dispiriting yeah so So, lashley's old business has been uh kind of taken over by bootstrapped into a weird kind of right-wing training center yeah now i didn't want to assume that they were right-wing based on that because like i think there are people who are pro-gun who aren't necessarily yeah, right-wing even true. though they are uncommon but i did do my research i went on their facebook page and i did some searches for like race and gender and the left and covid and stuff like that blue lives matter and let's just say they're pretty much exactly what you think they okay. like. they, they, they post a lot about the dangers of china and the dangers of race and gender ideology they sell like trump punisher handguns with like the the punisher logo and trump's hair on it and they have a gun cleaner called three in one liberal tears gotcha Gotcha. so i think we we can figure out what it's amazing when you uh, follow the thread of uh bobby lashley's gym (laughs) yeah so i just thought i'd say that in case anyone came across this stuff and, and was like was... oh no is that what bobby lashley's into i don't i can't find any evidence that no, he it's... is involved yeah at all but yeah um i hope bobby yeah i hope he gets those press releases removed because it's really that's the thing that that's i didn't the, like. what, the link between There's those yeah because i mean loads of people yeah. can have the name lashley that's of you course, know you know that's fine and surnames aren't defining the entire person or whatever it's it is the, it's the redirect url <sighs> from a press release from bobby lashley to this like right wing gun thing so bobby just from your pals here uh at house wrestling and all the great bobby lashley fans around the world who love the almighty let's just close off that url just get that page let's, delisted let's just get that yeah taken off that's all right and then it's gone forever and you don't have to worry about it there we go right that's fine yeah wow so um <laughs> that was a roller coaster ride from bobby lashley might make you a smoothie to uh yeah liberal tears but here we are <laughs> liberal tears gun cleaner though, gun cleaner, though. well Clean your gun with liberal tears today I'm, I'm very happy that bobby's mma and wrestling career worked out for him that the side hustles kind of went to the side well if he sold it like i think he did i think he sold it for a fucking ton of money the well, brand yeah I mean. they want that they want that name well i think that's what happens to a lot of them because a lot of wrestlers yeah. you see come out with these uh you know, with, with these brands and yeah. they all have warehouses full of various nutritional yeah. powders. It'll get sold on eventually. Exactly, yeah. What'll happen to Ryback's one? Oh. Stay tuned to find out. That makes it 10 for 10 now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's doing both full time. He's excelling. And we had a lot of recommendations for some very, very, very fabulous matches from Bobby in his second run in Impact Wrestling. And <laughs> the top one I got was an Iron Man match. No! <laughs> But unfortunately, due to the prenuptial agreements, 
God for that. Uh, we've already done one this uh, year, which was for MJF and Brian Danielson, and that was an hour and ten minutes long. Yeah. So we couldn't watch the thirty minute Iron Man match with Bobby Lashley. Oh, it's only thirty minutes. It's only thirty minutes. Oh. But I thought then I'd be horse trained at this point, being like, I'm, I'm yeah. you know, I don't want to negotiate with this degree mm-hmm. with you. So Bobby finds himself returning to TNA for a second, much more successful run in 2014, where he is full-time in MMA and full-time in wrestling, kind of dual-wielding it and picking his spot very well because TNA had kind of downsized that moment in time. It was kind of maybe more open to someone who had a flexible schedule and wanted to kind of work the company around them, basically. Going back and watching all these segments from Bobby around this time, what was most apparent and quite shocking to me was like how like a finished product he seemed mm. in terms of like his presentation, his promos, his confidence. Yeah. Whatever journey he went on in Strike Force and Shark Tank wrestling and all. Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I think it's Shark Fights as far shark as that. Shark Fights, know. yeah. But like, or, you know, all those experiences, it's given him something that he didn't have before, which is the voice that's telling him what to do and how he should act. It's his own this time. Yeah, it's just confidence. It makes such a difference. Unbelievable. Because like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but when he's returned to WWE, you wouldn't have necessarily thought that straight away, given what they put him into oh, and what yeah. he was doing. Well, except I kind of feel that's such a Vince thing, isn't it? To get someone who's so muscular and massive, but not confident and then push them to the moon. Yeah. And then when they finally get an ounce of self-confidence, you're like, bury them. Yeah. Bury we'll, them. we'll do something weird with you and see if push you can hang down. or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. It's just weird. But Impact Wrestling, which I would have stopped watching, I guess, around about this time, it had kind of found itself a niche and I think it still is there to this day, maybe in a slightly different form where it's like, hey, if you're a wrestler and you want a platform and you want to you know, work with us on a shorter or long-term period, let's try and figure out something that can help you and help the company at the same time. And like, so much of what we watched in Bobby's run in this point in TNA, it's like, whoa, like, they've almost took it, like, en masse. They took it and they just kind of used it then later in WWE for his much more successful run that was seen by, you know, probably 100 times as many people. Like, seeing him with MVP in a group called the Beatdown Clan who were talking about, you know, well-dressed men with your ladies and championships, drinking champagne, talking about taking what they want. And like, hey, the tailoring was a little bit better later on, but like, you can't tell me that's not a pre-run of the Hurt Business. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're telling me, like, at some point when they're in, you know, pandemic and they're starved for TV time, someone goes, hey, you know, we did this thing, me and uh, MVP, or, you know, let's do it again, pretty yeah. much. So seeing him now for this match with Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre <laughs> in a previous life, this is watching two guys who are basically, like, getting ready to return to the big, big time, it it's seems. It's really funny, though, because they're basically the same kind of characters as they are in WWE now like it's they're pretty much fully formed they're there they're good to go like other than Drew McIntyre looking a little bit pretty like he's so young looking here he's 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 Charmeleon he's about to become Charizard he's about to become Charizard with chest hair yeah but other than that they're like that's it. You've, they're, they're the finished product. And also as well, not just like the looks and all their kind of their their personal kind of charisma or whatever. Yeah, the confidence and everything. It's the style that they're doing because yeah. this match they have for the world title here at Slammiversary, this is knockout or tap out, which means you can only win by KOing your opponent or making them submit. I thought I'd hate this. I mean, I thought that... <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I thought that maybe there was a good chance you'd hate this. <laughs> but what I, I had enough hope for it because I thought, well, like, this one is a standout match, it was, you know, and these are two guys with a lot to prove at this point in time. And I think that's always the, the perfect 
you know, a chemistry or whatever it is that will make a really enjoyable wrestling match where there is kind of a point to be proven, whatever it is. What shook me the most about this was that they're doing the style here that WWE would like co-opt for their main events for the following six years. All that whole run with Goldberg and Lesnar and all that stuff, like yeah. this kind of like you come in and boom, finisher. Like the first move in this match is Drew McIntyre doing the Claymore kick. To, to, <laughs> they are literally trying to knock each other out like it's a damn video game. It is amazing. They're hitting each other very goddamn yeah, hard. Very hard. And I guess Slammiversary is their equivalent of WrestleMania, right? It's like the biggest show of the year. Is that right? No, it's their big show that would be bound for glory, oh, I really? guess. But Slammiversary is... I assumed is... with a name like Slammiversary. Let's just all admit, it's a great fucking name right now. It's the right best now. name! And I think if there's any promotion we've seen criminally little of, it's yeah, probably it's our, TNA. our friends here at TNA and our next pay-per-view classic, as chosen by our lovely backers over on Patreon, it's going to be a trip to TNA or Joe's first Ooh. ever TNA pay-per-view. What's the six-sided ring doing for you, Joe? I know we would have seen this way back when in the Samoa Joe episode, but... Do you like it, or is it, a, is it a damn playpen, brother, like Hulk Hogan called it? As if a regular ring isn't also a playpen. <laughs> no playpen I ever use, brother. Yeah. <laughs> I like the TNA ring. It just looks different, and it means that any time you see a clip from a TNA show or match or a picture, you know what show it's in. I think that's, that's really yeah. clever. Because yes. they have like really high production... I, I never really kind of realised that about TNA, that they are really kind of high budget, high production, yeah. considering... In how, the studio, you get that yeah. kind of gloss to everything, I yeah, guess. Yeah, considering how low budget they are compared to WWE. If you didn't have that ring, I think I could easily have seen a clip from this and thought that was a WWE match. And I think what's funny is that, you know, you go back to maybe 2009 or 10 when that Bobby had that original run, and you see they're in that studio with that smaller audience... Mm. And people are like, ah, it's not big league. You have to go out on the road. You have to go and tour around. And I think NXT, the original kind of run of that in full sale under Triple H, I think that kind of changed a lot of hardcore wrestling fans' minds about, hey, you, know, you can have an awesome show. As long as it's well produced, the size of the crowd doesn't necessarily mean yeah. it's a death sentence oh, or whatever fine. it is. You don't really notice as long as they're impassioned. Yeah, and I mean, the production here is, is excellent. Really, good. Yeah, really, really good. Can't call them Titan Trons because it's a WWE official name, but they have big, Impact Trons. Big screens. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they have a name. I bet you they yeah. have a real name. And if you're a TNA head, please tell the me. Slamatron. The Slamotron. But um, I, my only issue with the ring being the shape it is, is because obviously if you're training to be a wrestler or training for like, literally any wrestling match, you don't train in those rings. You train yeah. in a regular four-sided ring. Yes. Which means that it's kind of ruins the pacing for a lot of guys who have you know, it's muscle memory. You're used to running the ropes. You've done it so many times. You yeah, yeah. Count, but you can't do it in the same way in a... How many sides is it? Six, Six sides. Six-sided ring. So that throws it off a little bit. So I think it means that the style of wrestling they do is less rope-based. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't have a problem with because it means it was slightly more technical, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of really interesting stuff here. And like, for someone who was pretty late on the last three train, I mean, honestly, I think it was over the pandemic where I was like, you know what? This guy's got fucking something and he's really improved. And then you kind of look back, I was like, oh, well, here's six years prior, Kevin. He'd already improved. Yeah, he's amazing. Here. You know, the confidence this man exudes. And it's amazing to see a wrestler. And you see what Drew here as well, in fairness. This is what happens when you give a performer a chance to figure it out for themselves. Mm. And two lads who, from a youngish age in wrestling, were probably told, mostly by Vincent Mann, this is how you should be. This is how you should present yourself. This yeah. is what the fans want to see from you. And like, well, actually, what I want to see from Bobby Lashley is him do cool stuff like being whipped into the ring steps and casually step over them as he's oh, running. So cool. 
Whoa! This guy's got skills to pay the bills. Something that's really cool about this as well, and, you know, something I haven't seen from Bobby much of in WWE, but it makes sense with his MMA background. He's a submission machine in this. Oh, he's so good. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, in WWE, it's like he does the full Nelson brother. Yeah. Because when he broke the Master Lock in the Master Lock mm-hmm. Challenge, he absorbed Chris Master's soul. <laughs> And now he can do the the, the the proper master. And that's like such an old-timey, like, bad guy wrestling hold and put you in the full Nelson brother. Although, Joe, the entire time during the Master Lock Challenge, you were just like, do that to me. Yeah. Do it in a chair. Pick me up off the ground. Swing me around, yeah. you know. But Bobby's here with his fucking cross arm breakers. He is absolutely a submission magician. This was so effective as well because of the timing of it. Because we'd literally just seen a TikTok, I think it was, of Bobby Lashley crushing a watermelon in half with his headlock like biceps it was literally in half like yeah. like a knife it was like, insane how do you do that when your bicep alone is the size of a watermelon i don't know how he did it's a it sharp sharp like a muscle cracker it's <laughs> so impressive and he literally slices it all the way through and it looks easy to him so yeah him doing them tight holes on drew Drew, yeah and i know uh other than stone cold steve austin the only person who likes a tighter hole more is uh, is joe graham <laughs> so i'm glad that he passed your benchmark oh, yeah, there 100 i think it must be hard as well like harder in a way if you're used to doing stuff like that for real to then not to then work it. So, like, it looks like it's real, but it's not real. I think both of these lads are at that point in their career where it's like, Bobby, do it to me for real. <laughs> Give it to me. I, I can take it. It's fine. Like You say that, but then we saw him actually do that to someone for real in MMA, and it was so boring. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's, like, immediately over. It's, like, you know, yeah. it's the end of the match yeah. now. But, yeah, Drew and Bobby here, man, there's a lot There's a lot to take home from this one. Yeah. And we were, uh, we were taken aback, obviously, by Bobby wearing his headband here that says the word The Destroyer on it. <laughs> Which I think the destroyer, the almighty, the boss, the pressure cooker was another one he had as well. The man's got a lot of great accolades. The almighty is the best one and Leo Rush came up with it. So Was it Leo Rush? Apparently, yeah. Really? Mm. How about that? Bobby Lashley working in the uh is it is it is it a a kayfabe or a shoot now that he's got a weak eye here? I think it's real. I mean it split open in his match in MMA. Yeah. And the exact same place it split open again in this match here. Like half the interviews horrible. we watched with him, he had a bandage on it as well. And so. it looked it looked like it completely reopened. Like it looked like the original place he got opened up in that MMA fight. Like it's not a not like a blade job, it's a bust job. It's, yeah. you you see the tissue. Fucking gross as shit. Blood everywhere. I love, love, love that you managed to make in spite of that, you managed to make Drew, of all people, feel like an underdog, where he very rarely is that, mm. like, you know? And I think that this is... This is funny, when you start at this kind of point where Bobby was very, very first brought in, it's kind of like, oh, he's, he's meant to be another kind of Brock Lesnar or whatever it is. And then he, here he is, just like kind of legitimately, calmly becoming this character that Lesnar was kind of, you know, portraying, for lack of a better term, in WWE at the same time, because... This guy is actually going to get on a plane and go do a press conference for Strike Force, you know, a couple of hours later. He is this legitimate athlete who probably is not working by the hour and he wants to get you in and get you out really quick and beat mm. the shit out of you as quickly and to the point as possible. And I just absolutely love how legitimate he comes across in that same respect. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he does. Helped as well by, I think this is a hard way, because Drew get some blood from the forehead. Oh, baby. Very artistic. And there doesn't seem to be an entry point, which... 
reminds me of when I can't remember who it was. Someone got headbutted on a WWE match one yes. time, and they got split open. Yeah, and, and it looked exactly like this. Oh yeah, this is again like you can see the wheels turning in Paul Heyman or whoever's head is because it's just like I saw this match. It's like this is like these five minute main events we were getting a while ago yeah. at WWE, except it's a full actual match yeah. as well. The absolute fucking devastating he does it's Seamus's move he does the Celtic cross it's where Drew he has him kind of on his back and he's kind of jumps onto the ring steps <laughs> I was like trying to figure out like is Bobby going to be okay because he has so much like meat will it act as a like, kind of a padding at this point I but, don't know. Oh my want god! Fat for that wouldn't he? Not muscle. Muscle's hard. It feels yeah. like it would bruise easy. I don't know. Bobby don't know has <laughs> has this kind of like lightness that appears to him, even though I know he probably weighs like four thousand yeah, pounds. Yeah, because he looks like he's full of bubbles. Drew manages to flip do over the top rope through a table. Yeah, and I'm glad that Bobby Lashley didn't try and do that as well oh. because there's one thing that Bobby is doing here now, which is sticking to what he's good at and what yeah. he knows, and he can show his athleticism without nearly landing on his head and jumping outside the ring like an idiot. And part of how he does that is just to showing how fast he can move and again you see that in his mma matches he's so quick on his feet yeah uh you know especially for a big guy the way he is he carries so much muscle mass on his body and yet he moves he's so nimble i love it and i love seeing drew try and do these big spots to bobby and bobby like ducking out of the way yeah running away or stuff because drew hits the claymore like four or five times yeah he just kind of it's it's in a really good way it's like a video game right you know i absolutely love it reversal like evade button pressed you have bobby as well he doesn't use the same submission move twice in this match and drew who gets up at nine he's been knocked out from bobby from this massive fucking spear and he's getting up at nine and he goes like he's a werewolf absolutely beautiful but Drew unfortunately despite all of his fire and fury the captain gets tapped out by the boss Bobby Lashley here in a match that made me kind of go damn like I missed out you know yeah there was a point in time where I made a conscious decision to, to stop watching that brand I'd read about it and be like oh yeah Drew Bobby you why know why did you stop watching I'm just because it kind of I was sick of the it's like the same reason why I unfollow certain celebrities on Twitter. It's like, mm. I can't deal with the drama. Oh. And TNA is a company that went through so many owners and mm. so many, like, someone's coming in to save the day. Like, no, they're not. And their TV deal was in chaos. And it felt like the, the company was stop-start too much yeah. after being kind of, in my mind, permanently damaged. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there's episodes for days and us to do a proper deep dive into TNA. Right. But... You know, I think it says a lot for a match when it makes you go, shit, I want to like watch that whole show. I feel like I was missing out on that yeah. promotion because any match you're watching that feels like a peek into the future, and that's what this felt like. Mm-hmm. Fucking awesome. I'd say even more than the peek into the future, though, because like WB, yes, have tried to do stuff like this, but it's with the WB style and the WB yeah. kind of pacing and pushing and stuff like that. And it's just, it feels a bit more like toned down yeah, in for WWE. Sure. This feels... I mean, I feel like in WWE they wouldn't be allowed to go this fast. And also, as well, you know, I do mention that blueprint we were talking about, but that blueprint is your finisher and your signature move over and over. Here, there was the finisher used over and over, yes, but there was a lot of other moves. There was a lot of different submissions. I think WWE has never been cool with someone being like, I'm going to do 10 different submission holes. Because if you're a submission wrestler in WWE, 
you have your finisher you have submission, your submission yeah. that makes people go wow and that's and I, it yeah, it doesn't work it doesn't work not as well anyway no. as something like this this is way better honestly this is very cool stuff very great wrestling I definitely want to see more of it the only downside I had was Bobby struggling with the headband a little bit at one point yeah the headband got a bit sweaty I think and it got kind of thin <laughs> and it looked like a shoelace by the end he was kind of fiddling <laughs> with it um, he doesn't wear the headband anymore and apparently well, a hypothesis as to how he gets away with that even without eyebrows mm-hmm. is apparently you can put Vaseline on your mm-hmm. forehead yeah. and that like stops the sweat from going in your eyes just rub down the ropes if you're going to do planches after Bobby's been in the ring with his sweaty yeah. Vaseline-y head yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got on well with this match yes Rating for this one, please let me know how you got on with Bobby and Drew Galloway. I loved this. It was really good. I think the only thing that was holding it back was that there wasn't much of a story. I don't know if that's just because I'm 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 not familiar with this run of TNA yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know if there wasn't a story and it's not a focus for that company. But I took off one star for that. I gave it four stars out of five. I loved this match. For a knockout or tap out match, yeah. you know, I was like I remember seeing the, the names written down. I was like, yes. And then I was like, oh, that's stipulation. Mm. And then the Iron Man match is like, she don't want none of this, man. Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so Bobby announces, I believe in 2017, that he's actually going to be retiring from the world of wrestling to focus full-time on MMA. Right. But this, of course, was much like uh, Mr. Lester himself. It was just a clever negotiating tactic. Because I think if you remember, there was a period around 10 years where Brock Lesnar was resigning and retiring from one sport or another. And yeah, Bobby ends up getting himself a nice big contract nearly 10, sorry, even that, 13 years after his first signing with WWE. He finds his way back into the Federation. 10 years from his uh, departure, he re-debuts the night after WrestleMania to interrupt Elias and let me tell you what a joy it was to see this guy come back you know this was this was something that I don't think I appreciated at the time in many respects because he was straight into kind of a shonky feud but in terms of a moment to make everyone go shit Bobby Lashley suplexing Elias for like 30 seconds and just holding him up there and having this really stern calm face so Cool. And Michael Cole's like, yes! Mm-hmm. Bobby, yay! He's reacting like you, basically. He had this like look of inner peace to him when he had yeah. Elias over his head. And it was just so impressive. And I love I love that move in particular. I love when anyone Solid does suplex. it. Yeah. So cool. It's so impressive. The fact that he holds him for so long, and then it's the hand that comes out, and he's like... Yeah, he does it one hand! One hand, then it's like, give me a, cheer me a little bit more. And he oh. a little hand gesture. So cool. Now... Here's the thing. You've got a guy who you destined was a star from the get-go, you know, nearly two decades ago. Mm. He's back. He's back. He's bigger than ever. He's better than ever. Skill set, undeniable, legitimacy, notoriety, all those things. You know, like Lashley's return video has like something like 30 million views on on, on WWE. What's the thing with Elias? Yeah. And like, so, you know, to put stock into things, if you're breaking the millions, people care when you return. I think it's always really cool when you can kind of prove, hey, I'm more famous now that I've left the company yeah. where you say is the only place I can be famous. And I think, you know... It's dr- a smoothie brand. <laughs> it did it. The MySpace for Bobby Hands. It was effective. It was it worked. grassroots momentum is what yeah. he had there, Joe. But I just think that there's a lot of people. Drew is the guy where it's like, hey, I had to go away. I had to get better. I had to figure out who I was. And then I came back and I was ready. I don't think Bobby gets that that accolade. Like, mm. he's the guy who went away and pulled himself up by his bootstraps and he got better. But that is exactly what he did. Yeah. Maybe the reason why we didn't all pick up on it straight away. Mm. And when I was listening to that first review on the, 
was it a Backlash 2018 where inexplicably him and Braun Strowman took on Sammy and Kevin. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, I know, what right? The fuck. What the fuck, right? Vince McMahon? And do you remember what the first feud he had with uh, with Sammy was over? Old Bobby Lashley? Well, who it was with? Oh, no, it was with Sammy, but do you remember what it was about? I mean, I don't remember what it was about, but I don't know it was involved his fucking sisters his sisters yeah awful and really offensive to me so we got this video package which i think was designed to like for people like you who are like who the heck is this guy and it's like real like down to earth renee's like just who is bobby lashley tell me about bobby lashley it's filmed so badly they're like way too close on his face and he looks uncomfortable i think he's a very private person bobby lashley and and as evidenced by the fact that it was hard finding out information about him for this episode yeah for sure both of us trying very hard he he we had to cast a net very wide Mm -hmm. to get what we had let's just say and i think he was very uncomfortable talking about his family like that and even more so knowing it was going to be made into an angle yeah because we we, when we did the video about it it was like it's kind of creepy because he just like talks about his sisters like abusing him as a young boy and then he's like i love you and it's just like tragic zoom in we didn't know what was coming afterwards was the the master strategist sammy zane and let me tell you joe you want to talk about going back in time and seeing someone in there not being the finished article like Mm. sammy zane is is always he was the finished article i mean is the creative for him yeah the vince mcmahon should not be allowed you had Sami Zayn come out and he had three men in drag to silence it's not even drag though i feel no, that's, it's disrespectful. Not, that's true you're right sorry because drag's drag an art form and that's yeah. not what this is this is a fucking hurtful dress up yeah and it wasn't even like you know they weren't even dressed you know inverted commas as women like they were wearing skirts but like men's shoes and stuff and like wigs and it was just like really lazy harmful offensive crap I've never seen Sami Zayn sweat in a promo segment before where he's literally like so uncomfortable oh no I've got two more sisters to go through can you you imagine like a more sensitive like Sami is such a good educated sensitive person he knows like what you can and can't get away with he's like he knows that's not not gonna work he knows this is shit and it's not gonna work and he looks fucking I mean he's bless him he's giving it his all because he's a professional but you can see he's not into this. He hates this maybe even more than Bobby does. You have Bobby back one week and he's suplexing Elias, getting you know crowd over. He's over with the crowd because of his feats of strength, his superstardom. And then you have him coming out, beating up Max Caster in a dress. Yeah. And like the crowd are silent. They're like, that's it. You know, we, we talked recently on all of our pay-per-view reviews on Patreon about like, as the fans have become less kind of combative with the companies, we're having these moments now where something happens and it's meant to be like, boo, a heel heat thing. And people are just like, I don't like it. And they're yeah, quiet. Just wait for it to be over. But this was good old fashioned awkward silence where it's mm. like, I don't know what I'm meant to do. Uh, and like the announcers like, the fuck is going on? Like they're it's like. so blatantly just for Vince McMahon. Yeah. God, I'll tell you what, like it was a, it was a dark night of the soul. And that's it. It's like, you can go away. You can do all those things. And like, how do you see that guy we saw at that Slammiversary match and be like, yo, get me a couple of guys in some really shit wigs mm. and a dirty towel. I've got an awful idea. Yeah. A really... I like, after that, it's like, right, Bobby, why are you back in WWE? I'm assuming it's not to fight men dressed as facsimiles of your sisters. Mm. And he's like, well, I'm here for one reason. That's Brock Lesnar. I want Brock Lesnar. You know, he's, he's the top guy in MMA wrestling. I'm the top guy in MMA wrestling. Let's do it. The fact that, like... It took them like four or five years to actually get to that match. And the first thing they had was like, is him and Roman were like, right, well, we both want the match. 
and Roman got the match and Bobby didn't. Yeah. Oh man, misfire mm-hmm. in a big, big way. And they had him like then lose lo- all these like feats of strength to like Braun Strowman because Braun was getting hot then against against Roman. All of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you're back. You've proven everything. But like, I I'm gonna say right now, at the time, I didn't think he'd last. I yeah. thought he'd go. Fuck this. Believe. Easy money to make an MMA. Mm. Maybe I can have that dream match with Ken Shamrock, which he was meant to have in 2009. <gasps> what? But good old Ken tested positive for steroids, so oh. he, he he couldn't have his MMA match in the three-ring circus that was going to book it in the first mm. place. But there you go. Bobby had a saving grace, and I think the first moment I remember you be like, yeah. wah, Bobby Lashley! Definitely. This is 100%, yeah. An unlikely pairing it was when he was given a, a mouthpiece, a hype man. I mean, it made perfect sense to me because I was as soon as he came in, I was like, "Oh, this guy's amazing as a wrestler. He looks fantastic, but he can't talk for you know as a heel, he can't really talk very well. Um, and as a face, they don't really know how to book him. Yes. So they give him Leo Rush, who is I, bless him. I love Leo Rush. I want to say for the record because he probably won't come up in many other episodes. He came up in the pay per view reviews at the time. I love Leo Rush, and I think. He was criminally underrated. Yes. Didn't get his just desserts. He really deserved so much more and I, everything. I feel he has gotten almost, I don't know, I'm I'm shocked by the lack of empathy yeah. that he has afforded from, yeah. from wrestling fans. Absolutely. And, and from, from wrestlers. And wrestlers as well. I'm less surprised by that. I guess. Because it it's was... like, oh, the young guy, there were stories like, oh, he had to carry everyone's bags and bring in the water and all I this mean, fucking shite. I expect from the older guys to be like, yeah, that's part of the business, brother. Because yeah, okay, once upon a time that was part of the business and you're an old grumpy vet, so you're going to say that about the 21-year-old guy from Ring of Honor. Yeah. But I didn't expect it from like, you know, I expected more from the main roster mm. from WWE just being like, you know what? No, not all of us did have to carry water um, bottles. Because yeah. it's not true that everyone does that these no. days. It's kind of feeling like this guy may have a bit of an attitude, so let's nip it in the bud or whatever. It's oh. so shit. Like, why the fuck did you hire him? Obviously for his attitude. Because yeah. he's a great talker. He's got passion. He's got he's got get up and go as yeah. young Leo Rush. And he was a perfect pairing as the, the moth, the man of the hour who could just talk for days. And he was a guy, like, I remember hearing about Leo Rush back in the day in Ring of Honor, and it wasn't because he was cutting promos, no. because he was doing flips. And what always breaks my heart is when there's something wrestling that I'm like, this is objectively really good. Yeah. I thought that got Bobby over, it was entertaining, I wanted to see it on TV, yeah. you know, and I thought there was a lot of upside potential. I, mean, I thought this was going to head to a Leo Rush, Bobby Lashley feud. Yeah, right. How amazing Big would versus that have little. Been? Bobby chucking around Leo Rush. Oh. The problem is with Leo is because he's had like, you know, he's been very open about this. Uh, you know, he's had mental health problems. He suffered a lot from depression mm. and you know, a lot of the stop start nature of his wrestling career. It's not because he's a fucking, you know, it's not because he wants to wind up wrestling fans. It's because, you know, he's, he's struggled mentally. Yeah. And like, yeah, you would in this business with what he's been through and what he's seen. He has a young family as well. The man's <gasps> got, know. yeah, he's got you know, a lot of pressure on him, let's just say. It breaks my heart to see like an interview from Leo Rush from like two or three years ago. Where he's like, yeah, that was awesome. I loved it. It was really great. And then it was like an interview from like six months ago where he's like, I don't know. It's kind of, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it, I don't know how I feel about it now. And when like, you know, I've been, I've been at this point in my life as well. I'm sure many of you listening have been as well where... You can't, you know, if you're having bouts of depression or things like that and you're doing things in your career and then it's like, I'm depressed, therefore the thing in my career at the moment like is bad. Yeah. And you can't kind of see the forest from the trees because it's like, look, I'm going through this at the moment, but like objectively, this other thing is good. Mm. And I feel for him because I feel like he can't look back on this part of his career and be like, that was really good what you did. It was really entertaining. You know, it, it made people want to see 
you and another guy who, yeah. by rights, who deserves it. No one deserved it more yeah. than Bobby Lashley. Man, I remember being in Manchester and Bobby Lashley doing the posing routine and you were like standing over. Wow! He <laughs> slapped his bum. He flexed his biceps. Oh my God, that was wonderful. That was the best live wrestling experience of my life. <laughs> Bobby Lashley posing. And I know, like, it's funny because, like, I don't think Bobby or Leo particularly think very fondly of that no, moment. No, but it, it got him, you I know, got him something, it you know? It was fun. And it got over how physically impressive Bobby was yeah. while getting over Leo as a manager. I just feel for Leo so much because he was so young. He was only 21 or something yeah. when he signed to WWE. And originally he was a wrestler and he gets hired to be a mouthpiece instead. Like, talk about a bit of a confidence knock. Yeah, seriously, because you think, oh, they don't want me for what yeah. I think I'm good at. But... Yeah, I he mean, says himself as well in an interview. He was like, "My brain hadn't fully developed then because I was only twenty-one, yeah. so I didn't really know who I was." And it's like, yeah, no wonder. Yes, it's the same. Like you know, yeah. I, I totally get that. I was trying to find stuff like Bobby talked about Leo, but there's nothing of the sort. And I think, with regards to Bobby, when it comes to anything even remotely approaching the world of controversial, so he kind of Leo... like he's Mister Professional as always. That's you know? so sad that Leo Rush needs to be seen as a controversial person. Oh though, yeah, because he's. Fucking not. He's yeah. not. He's just a normal, good, decent guy who did his job and then spoke out when he was treated unfairly. And I think it's ridiculous now that you're not allowed to talk about him yeah, or say sort his of name. Asterisk beside as him or if something. he's on the same league as Chris Benoit for talking about workers' rights. Yeah. Like this is the shit that pisses me off about wrestling so much. Yeah, definitely. You see that kind of I don't know, that ugly, clickish side of it. They think it's left in the past. But the pairing with Leo, I remember it being kind of you could tell that there was problems behind the scenes with it because Remember they split up like three times, yeah. you know, and it's like, right, you're not going to give us a satisfying conclusion to this angle because mm. this is, again, the era of Vince McMahon at the head of creative where it's like, well, I don't know, it's not working, so we'll stop. Hey, why aren't we doing that thing again? Well, you stopped us. Ah, no, let's do it again. Oh, then it's not working. We should have stopped this thing weeks ago, Vince, you know? why are you pissing on the floor of your office? What? What, Vince, why have, you got a, why have you got a creepy little mustache? What's, <laughs> freak, what's going on, like? The next pairing that Bobby Lashley got, and again, it feels like you know no. Bobby Lashley, every pairing is like the monkey's paw goes down. <laughs> Bobby Lashley sleeps with another man's wife. No. What if uh, Bobby Lashley and he's the almighty and the Rusev, we take his wife and he has, uh, the wife has sex with Bobby Lashley. Yeah, imagine that. So that was the creepy angle that I will point out in the middle of the PG show, they, they opened Raw one week where it's like Bobby Lashley and Lana in Rusev's bed be like, yeah, I'm coming all over your sheets. What are you going to do about it? Rusev's, all Rusev could do was look sad in his Donald Duck t-shirt and be like, I guess I'll quit. Yeah. And then he did. <laughs> oh, that was so a cursed upsetting. pairing. I felt so bad for everyone involved in that feud. It was so sad. And obviously Bobby doesn't want to do that. Like, he's a family man. He's loyal to a team. I know. He's, he, had, he had three kids at that point, yeah. you know? And it's like, man... But you know, and like Lana and Rusev as well, happily. I don't know if they're married at that point, but they're happily together. Oh, yeah, they were, yeah. And like deeply in love. And... Actually, ironically, I think this was partly in punishment because remember they got married, oh, they got in, married secret. in secret. How dare you? Jesus, well, we didn't yeah. fucking work for WWE because you and I got married in secret. We would have like had I don't know, booked an angle where Billy <laughs> sleeps with you, <laughs> <laughs> and I just have to stand there. Oh. Wearing a Donald Duck t-shirt, like. But yeah, Rusev, bless him. He it looked like his heart was breaking. Oh yeah. And I like I know part of that maybe is selling, but also. Ooh, there's a bit of the real in there, isn't there? Though always, yeah. a, always a seed of the real. And it just felt the worst part of it. Felt it felt seedy. It felt spiteful. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It felt like no one wanted this. No, the fans weren't into it. 
like no Barbie one wasn't into be, it. Yeah, Bobby wasn't into it. Lana was putting on a terrible performance. We'd just come off the hot heels of Rusev Day. God, you know as well, you, you mentioned earlier on Bobby Lashley being used as a weapon in a feud. You want to talk about like exactly the same Literally thing, the same you thing. know? Yeah. And I just felt it was very reductive because it made like Bobby Lashley not like this thing upon himself. It was just like he was a, he was a yoke. He was a thing, you know? He was just this like kind of lad, you know? It made him come across as slimy and he's like, it's so not what he's like. And I, I love the occasional slimy character. If it's done well, it's great. But don't get this guy who's so pure. He seems so pure of heart yeah. that he reminds me of a, an Animal Crossing frog. Like, don't make him the slimy man who steals the wife of that guy. And we watched interviews with him around the time. And he's like, well, you know, business has changed. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure he's been paid so much money at the time yeah. and still is. Yeah, he, he will say whatever he needs to, sure to thing, keep you his know. job. And I don't he, blame him anything for that. He, his, uh, his serenity... And professionalism at the same time is something that a lot of people in wrestling, I think, couldn't couldn't be. He'll just work out more for therapy. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Look even bigger. You know, the the pandemic I think hastens the end of this angle. Thank God. You know, do you know how long it lasted? How long? Nine months. No. <laughs> it was uh, far too long. Far far too long. Jesus Christ! And it just got worse the longer it went on. Yeah, for sure. It, just it started the, off awkward. No and chemistry. Then it just got really cringy and like mean. And then like Rusev was gone. They had like five matches and he lost them all, and he was yeah. gone. They kept doing it like yeah. so. Yeah, I think honestly one of the best things that happened to his career and to you know. For all involved was when MVP was introduced back into the fold and all of a sudden he starts talking with Bobby about how he should be taken more seriously, how, you know, this is a business, it's not about making friends, about making money, that's why I know why you're here. And it's like, the reason it felt so fucking perfect and it felt like they had such a connection is because, well, they've done it before, they done it before like, you know, certain tweaks, different people involved, Hurt Business is an infinitely better name than the Beatdown Clan. <laughs> Uh, I'll just give you that right beat now. Beatdown boys. Beatdown boys. This is like a Tim and Eric sketch. Yeah, the beatdown clan, like. But yeah, the, the hurt business. Look, wrestling during the pandemic era, and you can find it on our pay per view reviews, was a trying time. Let's just say. And all I'll say is, I was grateful for four well-dressed-looking dudes who looked like they belonged together and they were trying to do something a little bit different and elevate a few people who really needed it, like Cedric Alexander. The hurt business was a really positive thing overall. Yeah. You know, it led to Bobby Lashley finally winning a world title mm-hmm. after 16 years in WWE and he had to win it in a weird way off the Miz, but it doesn't matter. It still <laughs> happened, it okay? And look, I'm going to say these next two lines seriously, no. right? With okay. a serious face, okay? Right. But the Hurt Business, Joe, they dominated Raw Underground <laughs> and they dominated Retribution. <laughs> Okay, and I don't think they get... What is Retribution again? Retribution was the group of... Oh, right, no, no. I thought there was some other Stop, 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 stop. No, no, no. no. I get it. But they dominated them both. And they were the front line against Retribution, Joe, and I don't think they get the praise that they deserve because of that. Okay, all right, well. But, you know what? When we came out of the pandemic, there was part of me thinking like, oh, it's just all kind of going to come out in the wash, whatever it was. It's only because, you know, there were certain things that were used a lot in the pandemic that kind of disappeared when audiences came back because it's like... They were only given Asuka 45 minutes of TV time in the pandemic because no one else could fill it quite like her. Yeah. But Bobby, it felt, came out of that period of wrestling, like, legitimized. Yeah. And that's why I felt like, you know, once they started doing the stuff with Brock, it felt like really time overdue, yeah. let's do it, like. Well, I think it was just, like, very happy number of things happening at the same time because, like, Braun Strowman around that time started to be a bit 
controversial online. And he disappeared, and he disappeared as well. And went to control your narrative. Brock Lesnar was constantly in and out, like barely showing up. Yeah, he was. He, during the pandemic, yeah. he wasn't queuing up to be there at any, any stretch of the imagination. Roman obviously took a year off yeah. to focus on his health. So you were kind of missing a big guy. And I remember there was a point during our pay-per-view reviews where we were like, Bobby's not been beaten in like a year and yeah. a half. We were like, they don't do like that alone. Because like, Jesus Christ, before he fucked off and he would be back again, I'm going to go tempting fate. But Vince McMahon couldn't stick to a single plan for longer than two weeks, it felt mm-hmm. like. And yet Bobby was like, okay, he's maybe only the US champion at this point, but he's never going to lose yeah. unless there's some reason for it. And he got a lot of legitimacy from it. I really enjoyed his angle with Goldberg. I thought it was one of the best yeah, things that, that they did, really you know, even though Goldberg did threaten to kill Bobby Lashley's soul at one point. <laughs> but Bobby sees himself now in 2023 as one of the really legitimate top guys in the company. You know, I feel like if Lesnar winds down the next year or two, then Bobby Lashley will happily step into the role as that kind of like final boss MMA guy or whatever it is. And it's very clear to see that Triple H gets yeah. what's good about Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I just think, I think he has, still has more potential. For I, sure. And I think we need to combine the booking of his first run with his current run, which is nice young man. Oh, what is it? 46 years old. 46 years old. <laughs> nice young man, but also like physically very intimidating yes. and uh, strong and stuff. And soft spoken still though. Like I want to see I want to see him be a, a, a soft spoken good guy who is kind of like booked a bit like Ken Shamrock did when that Stephanie McMahon time where he's got he's a good heart. Like, he's like almost like the last like a, a big boss, but on the good side. Yes, yeah, for sure. He's, he's like the last yeah, line of defense for when evil needs to be conquered. I love that idea. Like, I hope that whatever it is their plans for him, that they settle him into a role on the side. Because the one thing I'm scared of with Bobby is that because he's a decent heel and he's a decent face. Yeah. So I feel like, do we need a decent heel or a decent face this month? Yeah, he's, he's easy to switch. He's one of those guys who'd be first in line to flop around a lot and I don't like that. No, and I like, don't like that. Case in point, Brock Lesnar's like, I'm not fighting Uncle Howdy at WrestleMania. Yeah. And Bobby's like, I'll do it. Uncle Howdy, you're, you're intimidating, chaotic presence, <laughs> but I will I will destroy you. So I can't wait to see him in a Firefly Funhouse match. <laughs> but Bobby Lashley, I mean, it's been a it's been a trip, Joe. I think uh, I've learned just as much as you have in this one. You found out all sorts about the Almighty. Yeah. A new appreciation, would you say? Yeah, definitely. Or is it more like galvanizing your existing yeah, no, appreciation? Galvanizing is more accurate because I already knew. I've, I think I've ever said that he's a bad wrestler. I've always known he's a good wrestler. He's just he's great, and he's again physically impressive as fuck. But um, seeing him do his MMA stuff was really cool, and hearing how he had such a good win loss record. And then also seeing his run in TNA and doing that match with Drew was and just... surviving his run with Vince McMahon as yeah, well, Jesus. Yeah. But I think it's the TNA stuff that really made it most impressive to me, just because you get to see him with like kind of no limits and just like, it's like early, go free. Early access, Bobby Lashley yeah. is what I was like there. Yeah, it's really that. cool. Uh, what I was really interested to find out about because he's one of these guys that you know is kind of is he's there and he's kind of such a big presence. It's like you don't stop to think what other people think about him, but. You promised me some interesting uh, uh, chat from our lovely fans, so let's have a look at some of the tweets 
for how to Bobby Lashley. Now it's time to find out if our audience shares the same weird obsession with this man that uh, my wife does. I think I've been a very positive influence on the uh, on our little community. Well, you've unleashed that Bobby Lashley picture into the world by working with Dan the artist, so I think that that went a long way. I'm already seeing nice pictures of him. Here. <laughs> So first up from Jenna ACY who says, I have no profound thoughts, Ari Bobby Lashley, but I do keep this tweet in my bookmarks for when I'm having a bad day and need a good belly laugh. And the tweet in question is one of mine. And it says, I'm obsessed with Bobby Lashley because he is a really great wrestler, but also because he looks like a very polite frog. There's a very polite picture of him there. of him looking polite. You should follow Joe on Twitter at Bimbo Toes. You should. Next up from Rusted Wire Witch. Bobby Lashley is a class act. He held the door open for me one time at a show in London during his TNA run. Oh! This is the stuff I love best when yes. we get tweets. This is always what I want to hear. What are they like as a person if you've met them? Yes. Opening a door for a stranger is such a class act. But the, that's what that's what guy. the boy was taught, yeah, you know? he's polite. He is. If, if you're someone who says that, if I see someone, I'm going to smile at them and say hello. Yeah. Hold open doors... You know? Just seems like such a nice man. Good job, Bobby. Oh, I Good example him. to be sitting there is what yeah. it is, you know? If the world was more full of Bobby Lashley's, and, and less place. MJFs, the world would be a more polite place. <laughs> Next up from Tyler TMC, definition of a career renaissance. Hell yes. He had all the raw potential early on, got released, got better through applying himself in impact, comes back and has been rewarded for his efforts with a glut of gold and marquee matches. Mute muscle at its finest. Oh, baby, mute muscle. <laughs> Move over hard-hitting, soft-spoken, mute muscle. Get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> now from KTK Nap. My first memory in wrestling is my brother and I staying up late on a vacation trip to see family in Florida and skimming channels and finding WWE CW with Bobby's debut and getting hooked on the pageantry that is wrestling. Fantastic. So, yeah, we've got some wrestling fans to this day because of Bobby Lashley. Well, I'll tell you what, the reason why like Jim Cornette always said if it comes out of a box, it gets over. But in my <laughs> mind, if you sign a contract that's mm-hmm. open, you get over. Yeah, and that's yeah. how Bobby got into the Extreme Elimination Chamber. He signed that open contract. He got in there. And then we took Sabu out. Yeah. That's what ECW is all about, baby. (laughs) You see, people were leaving wrestling in droves at this time, but Bobby Lashley was pulling these new people in. Yes. Not in droves. Not in droves. (laughs) But it's quality over quantity, okay? Uh, One of the people that was being scared off in droves was Paul Heyman, the creator of ECW (laughs) as well, I should point out. Can't win them all. (laughs) Now from Mick M90. I remember him debuting as a pretty generic big man, but I'm glad he left, developed his skills, and is now in his absolute prime in his late 40s Beautiful. an excellent man convincingly dominant and looks like a polite young man what's not to love yeah i think you know bobby's bobby's kind of shown like i think i guess with like i guess modern modern nutrition modern techniques whatever it is training whatever whatever you like he seems to be someone who was like looked after it like Given that he was in MMA, hmm. the degree to which he's been looked after, his body and stuff like that, because you know Ken Shamrock, you tell he was like falling apart, like you know later on in his career. I genuinely Bobby think looks like he's got another ten to go. Like I think he's got it sorted. I think no, I don't think it's necessarily one of those things where one pattern fits for everyone. And that's you know that's honestly one of his main takeaways when he gives interviews about nutrition. He's like, don't do what I do, do what your body needs, because we're all different. Yeah, that's such good advice. But I think doing these short, high intensity workouts where you push your body to the limit and then just eat what your body then tells you it needs is such a 
well, I just like that's if I'm going to take any lesson from this episode, it's that. And if you get too sore, you hire a man with millions of views on YouTube to hit you in the bum with a little oh, hammer. Oh no, <laughs> Bobby! No, not there. That was very frightening to see. It was. He's, this is, yeah, because not context. Uh, there's a chiropractor <laughs> YouTuber that we follow. There's a man with a hammer. He can't be stopped. <laughs> He's attacking our favorite wrestlers. <laughs> he interviews wrestlers while he does like chiropractory kind of adjacent stuff to them. And it starts off with Bobby getting a hammer to the bum. You know what? Recommended bonus viewing on HowToWrestling.com. We'll, we'll put a link there. You can yeah. see Bobby, Bobby get worked over with a hammer. And not in the Triple H way either. <laughs> Now from Blue Arm Bar. I feel like it took a long time for Bobby Lashley to figure out who Bobby Lashley actually was. Mm. And it was his TNA slash Impact run that made him who he was now in the WWE. Take a look at Impact Slammiversary 2016 main event between Bobby and Drew Galloway, who we just covered, to see that TNA got both men right years before WWE figured out two big lads like them can make magic together, even in front of no crowds during the pandemic. Yeah, I think that that is like... That's the best thing I think I've learned about about Bobby here is that he was one of those guys who for years was pegged as like a lump of clay who mm. needs to be kind of, you know, pointed and told and mentored and this, that and the other. And it's like, you know, sometimes the, the, the athletes in question or the performers, whatever you want to call them, they need to figure out for themselves. You know, no one told Roman Reigns, talk like this and you'll become mad captivating. Yeah. You know, no one told Brock Lesnar, wrestle like this, you'll become mad captivating. These people arrived at these conclusions about what made their characters so popular and financially viable for the company by finding out themselves. Yeah. And I, I, I really do worry sometimes about the future of wrestling where I feel that all those examples I've given are like exceptions, like really exceptional examples of like someone who was like pegged for greatness or had a very different career, non-typical path. And I don't know like if in the performance center or, or wherever it may be that wrestlers can can find out for themselves that way. I worry about a performance center that's very regimented and strict and yeah. you know regimented about how you're meant to be and what we want people to look like, what well, your character is going to be for this segment on this TV show. It always seems to be the way that wrestlers improve most when they move around. Yeah. And like, you know, Look at Cody Rhodes moving from AEW to WWE, or yeah. wrestlers, or when from they... WWE to AEW, yeah. yeah, or like even on a smaller scales when you know independent wrestlers go to Japan or Mexico. Like, there's just so many different styles to learn out there, and so many different people to meet. And I just think it's just such a great learning opportunity. I think you're always going to learn more by pushing yourself more than by staying in one place and just like following a pathway here's my great idea to save the future of the wrestling business take a leaf out of the church of the mormons and every year you get your group of talent who are have x amount of experience and you send them off into the world and go right go get better at wrestling yeah. Come, report back report you back. know Less souls, more likes and follows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Finally now from Will is also young. I was a big fan of Lashley when he debuted. An athletic, nice young kid is one of my favourite character types. <laughs> yeah, me too. It was disappointing that WWE didn't do more with him at first, but his recent run has proven that the worth was always there. Heck yes. Isn't it lovely when a nice young boy becomes a nice young man? <laughs> 46 years old. Yeah, good lord. He's well, a nice young man in my heart. Forever young Joe, I think is what we wanted to say yeah. there in that instance. Well, thank you everyone for the fabulous tweets and for all the help of putting together this episode about Bobby Lashley. We hit a bit of a blind spot there. And I'm very happy to have discovered a whole slice of wrestling from a company that I really hadn't given much time to beforehand. 
really amazing stuff and make sure you check out howtowrestling.com we'll have all the match listings up there recommended bonus viewing we have links to all the other episodes and all the related episodes and as always if you want to support how to wrestling you can do so by heading over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling where we started not one but two new series the the formerly mentioned youtube wrestler review where we're going to be looking at bobby lashley next review tube or Totally Divas series, which is ongoing now onto our third episode, looking at the entirety of the Total Divas reality show. And let me tell you, it's been 10 years since that debuted. And uh, times have changed. And a time lot. makes fools of us all, particularly yeah. the cast members of Total Divas. Oh, I'd say more so the, the producers, WWE, yeah, like, the, yeah. As a company. Holy shit. Embarrassing. And as well as always, you've got Pay Per View Classic, our most recent episode, Spring Stampede 1994, and a TNA run will be up there very, very shortly. We've got Pay Per View reviews going all the way back to 2015 from WWE and AEW, 120 Pay Per View review episodes. Most recent being Revolution 2023 from AEW. Find out all our thoughts changing in the world of modern wrestling. If you want to join us, it's only $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. Next episode, Joe. Ah! And a very, very interesting episode as well. Controversial figure for the next episode. We are going to be talking about... First of all, pause. Pause this episode right here. Whoop. Okay. Can you guess? Is someone we've mentioned in this episode a few times? So, little <laughs> quiz for you at home. Can you guess who our next episode is? Probably been mentioned more than any other person other than Bobby Lashley in this episode. But Kevin singing, I assume, is a clue. It's Ryback, baby. It's Ryback. How to Ryback? Does even Ryback know how to Ryback? We're going to find out as we chart the career of someone else who was pegged for greatness, got the hyper push. We have two Hell in a Cell matches with CM Punk. Yeah, baby. How to Ryback, the ultimate companion piece to our review of his YouTube channel. We're going to be talking all about our blood types. We're going to be talking about the career of the young Ryan... Ryback Ryan Reeves, who began his career as Skip Sheffield. Ryan... Ryback Ryan Reeves. He, he was, he's been on the indies. He's biding his time. He is... Stem cell research therapy. This episode's going to be a fucking mess. But the best thing is, he's blocked us. Well, hey! He will never see this. So carte blanche, please, when you're using the hashtag HowToRyback, where we're after your favourite moments, thoughts, memories, matches, stories... Stories about facts and everything in between. Yep. Like, how do you get off an airplane? Did Ryback open a door for you? Let us know. Or did he close the door really quickly behind you and then open up a bag of snacks and not share any? <laughs> we'll find out all this and much more on our next episode, How to Ryback. Head on over to our Twitter, use the hashtag How to Ryback or the Facebook page and let us know your thoughts about the man who left the meat on the table. I'm very excited, Joe. I've got to say as well, please head to our website. HowToWrestling.com And you can see the artwork for Ryback before we officially share it on our social channels. Heck yes. It's so good. Chef kiss. Dan's done an amazing job. It's absolutely it's beautiful. gorgeous. Ryback, you've blocked us. You're missing out. You're not going to see this. He'd love this. Ryback would love this art. He'd make it his profile picture. But alas, 
He won't know. And it's with some slight trepidation that we end this episode. <laughs> I want to thank everyone who's joined us for the almighty journey of Bobby Lashley. Until next time, when we're going to be talking about the Ryback. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How to Wrestling. See ya.